TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold your horses, there, uh, Mr. Nerd, is it? That's it. Oh yeah, you could be king, king, king of these nuts. <laughs> Welcome everybody to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, the show where we go through TNA history one month at a time. We are talking about May 2003 in the NWA TNA. May in TNA, it rhymes. Hey, listen, yo. My name is Garrett. I'm joined as always by Liam Jones, my wonderful co-host. Liam, how you doing? Yo. Yo. Listen. I'm listening. Yo. Oh god, another yo. Yo. You having a nice day there, Liam? No. We are in very different weather extremes at the moment. <laughs> Everything is pain. Whereas for me, it is extremely cold, and just the very thought of me getting out of bed having to record this was deeply suffering. As you are in the other side of the world, naturally, where it is, for some reason, the summer and very warm. It's so muggy, my skin hurts. Oh god, that's a horrible state. It's probably warmer there than it gets all year round here. It's not even that hot. It's only 21. That That's exceptionally hot for us, though. I just punched my mic in defiance of that weather. For 21, that would be like, no, no, that's uh, the warmest of warm summer days for us. I don't mind the dry heat. I can take like a, a 35 day if it's dry heat. But I just, this mugginess is the worst. It's a, it's a four degrees for me, which is a step up from the two degrees it was this morning, but not by much. Yeah, so for the next four days, it's going to be like mid-twenties and raining. Oh, the perfect weather. Who doesn't love that? It's anyone who isn't a psychopath. Poor Liam also has to turn his fan off, obviously because it would be <laughs> caught in the middle of recording, so he, it, it makes him suffer even more for his art. That's how much you know he loves this podcast. I'm opening my window. I don't care if fireworks go off mid-show again. Why would fireworks go off at like 10 o'clock at night on a, what day is today? Tuesday? They did last time we recorded during the watch-along. I don't think I heard them. I told you. I went, wow, fireworks are going <laughs> I thought you probably just meant TNA. <laughs> no. As in, like, the scenario that is happening here is really popping off like fireworks. No, I mean that there's someone on my street who incessantly <laughs> lights fireworks. Steve's very inconsiderate of them. And I'm going to punch them. You should go out there and be like, yo... Listen. Listen. I do a problematic rap at them. Where you'll get cancelled, but they'll also probably stop the fireworks while they cancel you. And then they'll be like, okay, it's been like three months. You can you can come back now, Liam. And we're going to start shooting fireworks into the sky. And I'll be like, yo, <laughs> listen. <laughs> so is there anything else going on in the wonderful world of Liam? I'm playing Pokemon. Oh yeah, I'm also playing Pokemon. I'm not that far in though. Where are you up to? I'm not even to the second gym. I'm in Eterna. Uh, I to, at the start of my session today, I had just finished the second gym. See, I haven't played it a ton. I was wondering because they gave me cut, and obviously they don't have HMs anymore. So I went to cut some trees in the forest. It's like, why can't I use? It's like, oh yeah, I don't have the gym badge. That's still a thing. I, I like that system. I like not having to rely on a any Pokemon anymore. You can just make the team that you want based on the team that you want. You don't have to worry about HMs or. I need a flying type because I need to use fly. <laughs> I, of course, still have a Bidoof in my team because I love Bidoof. I am catching every Pokemon. But do you have a Bidoof in your current team? Uh, no. I evolved him and then I put him into the box. 
I'm also refusing to let my Bidoof evolve. I mean, I admire the dedication. I'm considering, like, eventually when I get the diamond version, just doing, like, a, a no evolution run. Just mm-hmm. base form Pokemon only. Yeah, just Bidoof. Just a team of Bidoofs. Oh, that would be great. Mm. I have this. I have such a tryhard team. It's the most Gen Four tryhard shit you'll ever imagine. Go on. Ugh, I don't want to. I'm embarrassed by it. Ugh, it's so it's so lame. It's so lame. <laughs> <laughs> Infernape, bleh. Staraptor, bleh. Luxray, bleh. <laughs> like a little Scaroopy. He's just hanging out. He's just being a pal. He'll be a Drapion eventually. I got a Rose Raid. Rose, Rose, it's Roselia right now, but it'll eventually be a Rose Raid. But that is the one I'm considering. That's an open spot to me. If I find something more interesting, I'll swap that out. And finally, I have uh, Gastrodon, because Gastrodon's so much fun. Gross Pokemon. I, I'm increasingly remembering that I don't like most Gen 4 Pokemon. So, like, most of the ones that just pop up the walls, like, no, you're hideous. I like Gen 4. I like Gen 4 because it was one I put the most time. Like, Platinum was the game I've definitely played the most. It's your wee babby Pokemon nostalgia game. No, that would be Emerald. And Gold. You didn't play Gold. Gold came out when you were like one. Gold was my first Pokemon game. I played it on my Game Boy Advance. But you were like one. I was like five. All right. (laughs) Cognitive enough to play the game. I didn't play Red or Blue at all. My first game was Gold. And then, yeah, played Gold real heavy. And I, I have the actual memory of the day I went to my local Target to buy Emerald. Uh, with the GBA case on, like, a giant standee which had a big red quasar on it. Was it the best day of your life? <laughs> yes. It was a great day. My parents were fighting the whole time. And then um, I was like, I want this game. And to shut me up, they're like, yes, we'll give you the game. Nice. Yeah, it ruled. <laughs> uh, Pokemon. It's a whole new world we live in. It's the best. I was thinking today, like, eventually we're going to get, like, a game where they're just like, all right, you fucks, we put every region in the game. It's a long-ass game. You can do it in this order here. That's always been the thing I want. Even if it's not every region, at least like two or three. Not just one. I think we're getting it eventually. Yeah. I'd even be fine if it was every region and it was like this, the brilliant, uh, brilliant pearl? Brilliant diamond, which one is it? Brilliant diamond, shining pearl. Yeah. If it was that art style and just like six different regions, I'd be happy. I prefer a slightly more spruced up art style. I like this one. Because it looks the exact same. (laughs) It doesn't look the exact same. It does look the exact same. No, it looks like... What's that uh, that Kirby game? Many of them. But they made it look like the Claymation kind of style. Canvas Curse? Is that the sure. name of that game? And Cur- Cur- the one on Wii U as well. Yeah, it looks like that kind of style. It looks like, like an Animal Crossing kind of style, as opposed to a... No, it looks just like the original game. That's the point. It's nothing... What? Oh, I'm gonna fucking die. They literally <laughs> came out that's like, we are being entirely faithful to the original art style. Yeah, sure, but it's like brand new lighting engine and it's all spruced up and different. I like it. It's fun. I enjoy it. Alright? Let me like the thing. Uh, I think it's a visual step down from the Let's Go games, which I think are secretly pretty. I don't know, I like this one. I like um the, the way the Pokemon look following you better in this one. But they don't follow you in this one. <laughs> you obviously haven't gotten t- to the next city yet, idiot. I haven't. I said I haven't. Why are you mocking me? Well, yeah, they can follow you. So nothing else going on other than Pokemon? Nothing that I want to talk about. <laughs> Pokemon and weather. It must be stated there is something you want to talk about. We won't have an episode in two weeks because Liam is a thespian. Oh, <laughs> you can't say cancelled. 
Liam will be performing on stage over the, the period in which we would usually watch these shows and record in two weeks. So we will have no regular show in two weeks. At the very least, we will put the first episode of Monday War Games in the free podcast feed. And I will try and do a second little bonus special thing, which I really should have actually started trying to do at this stage, but haven't. But we'll try and do to have a nice little thing in the podcast feed as well on top of... As I said, the, the Monday War Games episode one, we'll put that in the, the main podcast feed for you all secretly as a treat, but also to try and sell you on the Patreon at tnhad.com. Yeah. A dual purpose right there. So yeah, Liam is performing. Are you excited to perform, Liam? Excited for it to be over. Oh, if, if any of our listeners in Australia, can they go see you? No. No, they can't. Tell them where to go see you. I would not. <laughs> go visit Liam and see his acting performance and then put him over and be like, this is the next coming of Chris Hemsworth. If you can find me <laughs> in person, I'll tell you. You're really the next Hugh Jackman right here. I wish. That dude's rich as hell. He's also very talented. I suppose. That also matters, I guess. So two weeks, no episode. We'll be back two weeks after that, middle of December, for our June 2003 episode. June, a very big month in TNA history for many reasons. One, it's the the one-year anniversary, and there's a bunch of other stuff that goes on in June that should be more interesting to talk about than this year, month of May. I don't know. I thought this was a pretty good month. I thought this is maybe the worst month we've watched so far. (laughs) I liked this month. I, because we came off like last month being like this is a good month they built up a bunch of stuff they did, told a bunch of good stories or like the entirety all of it of the month of May 2003 is devoted to getting over the Disco Inferno Glenn Gilberti and I simply cannot tolerate such a thing that, uh, that is a fair enough point like I'm not joking when I say every single one of these shows in the month of May the sole goal of all of them is to get over Disco Inferno as a main event heel that you should take seriously. And it is a very upsetting thing that happened. Listen, to play Russo advocate, <laughs> he is getting a title challenge. So, like, if there was ever a time to try and make him look decent, it's probably before he competes for a title is what I would say before I remembered that they also completely buried that idea on the last show before he goes for the title. <laughs> also, Glenn Gilberti is kind of helping with the booking, so he's given himself a title challenge. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, if there's ever a time to build him up, it's doing it when there's a title challenge that at least makes sense. If they were just doing this on a random month. No! No! <laughs> I was like, is that a train in the background? <laughs> I'm building up to this. No. You just never give Disco Inferno a world title. Like, or if you do, it's just the challenger of the week. Well, Jeff had to go to Australia and hang out, okay? They couldn't do it next week. They could have. They could have recorded it. They could have just been like, we are going to do Disco Inferno versus Jeff Jarrett as a nice little middle-of-the-month title match while we build to a real challenger down the line. But no, they're like, we're going to build a full month. A full, whole, entire month of TNA history around the Disco Inferno. Yeah. I'm, I, I am... It's fine. It's good t- t- television. It's not. It's not. It's not even good television. <laughs> they didn't even do a good job. It's just really bad television. It sucks. Nah, it's good television. Exciting stuff. Ready to talk about it. It's just Disco acting like a badass, trying to be the coolest guy on Earth. Yeah, he's, he's beating so people cool, left, though. right, and center. No, wearing like, a tie. He's so cool, and he manipulates everyone now because he's so much smarter than everyone else in the promotion. It's great. All of his dumb sex pals hate him until he gives them a speech, and then they kind of like him, but also. But that happens literally every month. <laughs> 
every month it's nearly every week every week it's like oh everyone hates Yaki, but glenn is talking to people the way they like it yeah because he's so cool and smart and stronger than everyone else what a horrible month what a horrible month of the year the worst part actually the the most galling bit is there was a moment on commentary during the month where mike Tanay's like but no this is the new glenn gilberti and it's like not you too mike not you too. You are not getting on board with trying to give this man credibility as well. It's well, no. Again, no. he's probably just like I'm trying to give Dangovity credibility heading into his NWA title match. No, he should be like he's a goon. Like the whole thing should be he's a goon though. The whole thing should be like him and his pals are going to steal the NWA title. It should not be like Glenn Gilberti is an honest threat to even Jeff Jarrett, never mind everyone else. It should be that Glenn Gilberti has used all of his pals to get himself a title shot and he might use all of his pals <laughs> to get himself so the title. But he's tough and smart and strong, Garrett. No. 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 Oh, it's really funny that um as the last episode was airing and I realized that he was actually having a match with Raven and not just fighting him. I was like, oh no. Are they going to have Glenkelberti beat Raven? And they did. Fair enough, it wasn't clean, but they still haven't beat Raven, which... Ugh. Let's get into the notes and stuff so we can jump back into breaking down this story, at least, because we'll be, we've already, like, halfway broken down. Curse that is disco. All right, first story of the month. Former TNN president Brian Hughes has been hired as a consultant to pursue a television deal. Hughes was introduced to the locker room by Jeff Jarrett uh, prior to the April 30th show. Uh, oddly enough, uh, a note from PW Torch that he was apparently one of the, like the bigger enemies within Paul Heyman's ECW. Stumbling block for Heyman while ECW was on TNN, but nonetheless, he has been hired. I think it's his production company, which I looked up the name of because I looked him up on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, there's no mention of TNA, but there is a company he worked for based in Nashville from 2002 to 2009 that was probably the company that was hired to consult on finding a television deal. I wish it just said Nashville-based company because he didn't want to put TNA down. <laughs> he is ashamed of TNA wrestling and does not want to put it on his curriculum vitae. So they're, they're trying to get a heavy hitter TV executive to like... Looking for their Nick Khan. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is it. This is their attempt at Nick Khan. Again, every company just ripping off TNA by employing a smart network man. Something no other company has ever done before, I'm sure. This is a TNA original idea. We're going to get somebody from the television industry to try and get us a television deal. Disgusting. Who would have thought of it? Only the wild minds at NWA TNA. Clearly he doesn't do a very good job because they don't get a television deal for like two years from now. Nah. He's got to get on the Fox site. Well, actually, it's only about a year from now. We're in May. We're almost there. We'll get a t- we get a TV deal next June. We're almost out of the monthly pay-per-view era. Well, not the monthly, the weekly. <laughs> the monthly review era ends in, like, 2015. It's, like, 2013 they go to quarterly, so... One day. Oh, God, I just remembered that eventually we'll have to, like, do shows that are just reviews of four weeks of TV. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's going to be fine for the first few years because uh, Impact is only an hour, but there's going to be eight hours of Impact and then a three-hour pay-per-view every, every single uh, podcast episode, so you should be excited for that. No, no, I refuse. I fundamentally refuse. And that's when we're back to full Russo when it goes two hours. So it's full no. Russo for eight no. hours and then a full Russo TNA pay-per-view. No, we're splitting it up. 
It's a, it's a, it's a, two weeks it will be the four weeks of the build, and the next two weeks will be the pay per view. I can't do that all in one, in one show. Nope, it's got to be build and pay because I was thinking about that because we we do it month by month now. Obviously, we're like we're doing all of May, whereas uh, I figure by the time we get to the monthly pay per view, we will do the four weeks of TV or however many it is, and the pay per view. So we'll do like pay per view, build, and pay per view. So that it makes a, a lot more cohesive sense. I don't care about cohesive sense. I care about my mental health. <laughs> Listen, TNA doesn't care about your mental health, so why should we? They're out here giving you a whole month of disco. They don't give a shit. Now that was good quality television, though. Well, you, you'll love it when it gets to 2007, then. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're defending your full month of disco. I don't know. That was pretty good. <laughs> Wrestlers are becoming fearful of saying anything critical of the company during public appearances. <laughs> <laughs> they believe their pushes will be scaled back if they do. Wrestlers point to AJ Styles doing a clean job to Glingleberti and D'Lo Brown having his push considerably scaled back when he said he would like to return to WWE someday. There was also an interview this month where Amazing Red says in the Torch Talk interview that he is not going to sign a deal with TNA because he doesn't want the WWE deal to potentially be off the table so there's <laughs> there's a lot of TNA being done like the wrestlers are super dumb here it's like wait we can't bury the company publicly yeah it's like but that was all I wanted to do yeah that's um it's one of those wrestler things where it's like it's kind of stupid like yeah obviously these people should probably keep the WWE door open at this point but also don't go on a podcast and be like hey guys let me tell you why the place I work for sucks and then when they're like, hey, there's going to be some retribution for you publicly burying our company, they're like, what? And then they're like, offended. Like, how dare they? Yeah, there's a bunch of stories over the month. It's like, the wrestlers film feel like the company is returning their commitment to the, to, to them while they are out here burying the company in every public media interview they can get. But also, the company stinks, so, yeah. Yeah, but it is the problem. It's like, they're right. Every one of their criticisms is correct. But nonetheless, here we are. Mm. Like, it is stupid that Ron Killings has been downcycled. Uh, there's even a fun story this month where it's like, Ron Killings apologized for saying bad things in, in an interview and then went on another interview and gave out about how he was being booked. <laughs> <sighs> the circle of life. And to be fair, nobody has been, like, more badly booked over probably, like, the course of 2003 so far than Ron Killings. So he deserves it. Mm. I'm trying to think of anyone else, but it's it's very clearly just... Him. Yeah, push Glenn, but Ron, nah, he can't barely get on television for the month. Yeah, but Glenn's good, so... I do not like your rebrand as a Disco Inferno defender. I'm just really, I'm really angling, I'm angling for that time that Russo and Disco finally find out about this podcast, and I'll listen and be like, that Garrett guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but Liam, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, I get. The very first time Disco Inferno appeared on this podcast, when he was doing the first episode of Jive Talking, you stipulated to me that you would you hate him so much that you would like the right to skip any disco segment. And here you maybe that's what you've done. Maybe you've been like, oh, it's great because I haven't watched it. <laughs> no, that was uh, an old character. That was Disco. This is Glenn Gilberti. Glenn Gilberti, much better. He was Glenn then too. He could never use Disco. WWE owned it. Yeah, but he was doing the disco shtick. He's a different guy here. He's little Ric Flair now, and I appreciate it. It's disgusting, and I'm very upset that actual little Ric Flair, David Flair, is gone so he can do this trick. <laughs> uh, the lawsuit filed against TNA by Phase 3 out of Atlanta, who designed their original logo, has been settled out of court. They were seeking 56000 in unpaid compensation, but they, they settled, but the financial terms were not disclosed. I hope it was like 50 bucks and free tickets. 
They apparently scared TNA by naming DirecTV and Demand Cablevision and all the um, pay-per-view providers as defendants because they used the logo on their air. So they're like, hey, where's our money? And they're like, here, have some money. Please stop yelling at us. Yeah, so they're settled. So I assume that's the reason, like, to this day, occasionally uh, Impact will use the original TNA logo in some kind of marketing. The wrestlers shared their concern over the direction of the company while sitting backstage during the May 14th show. This is the first time, this is a quote from a wrestler to the PW Torch, I heard people complaining about the storylines and direction of the company. Nobody complains to the management because everyone needs work. The main complaint of the wrestlers was that Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo developed favorites. Again, a quote. They play favorites by taking care of their friends, the second wrestler added. While those in Vince Russo's clique, Raven, Glingle, Birdie, Mike Sanders, and Eric Watts. My four favorites. <laughs> wrestlers say Jeff Jarrett favorites include Sonny Siaki, AJ Styles, David Young, America's Most Wanted, Jerry Lynn, Trinity, and The Amazing Red. I like that they're like, and Jeff Jarrett's favorites are all the good people on the show. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, and all the Vince Russo favorites are all the terrible bad wrestlers who just get tons of television time because they're pals with Vince Russo. What? What? I feel like you're mixing some names up because Mike Sanders, Eric Watts, and Raven were there, but sure. It's actually fun. It's like Mike Sanders is like public enemy number one still. They hate Mike Sanders' guts in this locker room. He's so lucky that he is like Vince's pal. <laughs> so the Vince Russo's pals have been dubbed the Atlanta Click with a Q, of course. Hell yes. Wrestlers feel like Gilberti is being pushed too hard and feel the majority feel Sanders' talent doesn't justify even a spot in the roster, never mind the television time he gets. Alright, whoa, 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 whoa. Did they not see his great four-star never openweight title match with AJ Styles? Yeah, if we were going to give someone the mega push, it should have been Sanders. It shouldn't have been Gilberti. Mm. <laughs> but, like, seriously, put him back in his old gimmick. What are you doing with this look? It's so bad. Yeah, this is. I think this might be the last we see of Mike Sanders. Does he go? No, he won his um, hard ten match, so I think he has one more match in June. But I think June is the last that we see of Mike Sanders. What? Yeah, so there's not much of Mike Sanders. Uh, clearly, the political heat caught up to him. I just, I read down to the more of these quotes. Oh, yeah, they they hate him. They're very mean to Mike Sanders. They like couldn't draw shit. Doesn't belong on television. Can't even go on television without wearing a shirt. He's terrible. <laughs> Jesus. I miss the day when, like, this is the dirt sheets. It's just people burying other people. I want, like, someone to talk to Dave, and it's like, people within the company say that Joey Janela is a real piece of shit. And it's like, it's not even like, you know, oh, we don't like it. It's a full-on, unattributed quote. Like, this could be Shark Boy for all we know. Who's <laughs> just out here? Oh, this Mike Sanders guy, what a load of shit. Yeah, I like the idea. It's um the Crimson Dragon. He's just talking mad shit. He's like, yo, look at this guy. He's just hanging out backstage and burying everything he sees. I don't know. But like, and also some of them are like, oh, they're using them to get like their friends like Julio Gennaro, Perry Satin, and Eric Watts jobs. And I'm like, well, good, because they're all great. I wouldn't say all of them, but some of them are. All right, Julio is a bit of a stretch, I get it. <laughs> How dare you. Have you? Did you not see the Eric Watts story this month? It's fantastic. That's a word for it. Glenn Gilberti came out of the recent power struggle between Jarrett and Russo with more power. Gilberti has been telling friends that he is helping write the shows, although he's telling others in the locker room that he's not even sure why he was pushed so hard. Well, yeah, it's a fucking lie. <laughs> he's he's lying. He's like, oh man, I don't know what they're doing. Just, they're just, uh, just pushing me so hard. I've got no idea. There's another story that I didn't include in the notes that says, like, Glenn Gilberti is trying too hard to get people to like him. It's like, well, this is it. I think this is an illustration of that trying too hard to get people to like him. I like you, Glenn. You shouldn't. Yeah, well, I don't, don't like the things that you've said in recent years. You are fully signing off on everything Glenn Gilberti has ever done. Well, fine. Just like you fully signed off on everything the Harris brothers have ever done. There is no proof of such behavior. 
Hmm. But yeah, Glenn Gilberti would be like, I'm as shocked as you guys that I'm getting this big main event push where I'm beating all the guys that are actual stars on this show. And then he goes back to the the, uh, the whiteboard where it announces the winnings of the matches and he goes, Gilberti, defeat Raven, <laughs> 10... <laughs> Observers say Jerry Jarrett's main role in the company appears to be offering his opinions on the shows while sitting at the gorilla position with Jeff. About every 10 to 15 minutes, another quote, Jerry will shoot Jeff and I told you so look if he doesn't like something. Jeff, take it on board, man. I don't know. I don't know how Jeff just likes this. I don't, I never got the impression that this is the kind of like wrestling Jeff likes, you know? And especially given, we'll talk about this when we get into the shows, this is, again, another month where Jeff Jarrett is fending off political efforts to oust him from Vince Russo and pals, while his dad is just sitting there being like, what on earth are you doing? Jeff, like, I, I don't get how he hasn't, like, kicked them all to the curb at this point. Mm. No, he's giving him more power and the biggest push of their careers. Is Jeff, like, just dumb? Like, is, is O3 Jeff just a, a stupid dude? Like, why are you letting this happen? I, I guess it's probably because there is a legitimate power struggle here. And while Jarrett is in control at the moment and has like his hands on the wheel, like these people are constantly in the ear of Dixie Carter being like this Jeff guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. So maybe he's trying to like satiate them by being like, all right, you'll give you like power. You write the shows. You can book your Glenn Gilberti superpower angle for the entire month. God. And hopefully that will make them stop trying to get them to oust me. And it's not. So he's just being like a, a real coward then instead. Yeah, but every month there's the stories about how there's political infighting and they're trying to sabotage each other and they're all fighting. And then meanwhile, he's just like, fine, you book your month built around Glenn Gilberti. Sorry, I, just, I kept reading and I learned that there was plans for a heel kangaroo mascot. Jamie Dundee was arrested on criminal impersonation charges recently. Although Dundee was never on the TNA payroll, he worked syndicated matches and had been penciled in to play the role, the, the part of a heel kangaroo mascot for the promotion, which is not the last we will hear of the kangaroo mascot. <laughs> no. <laughs> the kangaroo mascot does in fact become a thing. Very, very what? briefly. What? What? TNA has a kangaroo mascot. We're not going to talk about it until like May 2007. So this is a very long tease. But the mascot does happen. The, the mascot does what? come true. And what? it is a kangaroo. What? <laughs> it also has a horrifically, stereotypically racist Australian theme song. <laughs> With like didgeridoos and... What is happening? But we will not cover that until I think like May 2007. This must be too hot in here. I'm, I think I'm hallucinating what you're saying to me. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think the kangaroo is a heel. And if it was going to be a heel, it, it didn't last long enough to turn heel. But the, the kangaroo does show up. And we can be very excited for that when we get to it I in a couple of years. I love how weirdly Australian-themed everything is still. Like, every show will start and Mike and I will be like, And thanks to our friends in Australia. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, because based on this uh, next news note, actually, no, it's the one after that, but we'll straight skip to it. Jeff Jarrett beats Sting to win the NWA-WWA title unification match in the main event of WWA The Reckoning pay-per-view that was in New Zealand on May 25th. <laughs> you and your horrible tribal hatred of New Zealand. Sorry, someone ran in and booed New Zealand. Sorry, they're, they're actually, they were booing Auckland specifically. Toxic Australia fans out here. Yeah, get out of here. Yes, Jeff Jarrett went down under. There was a whole video package about him visiting Australia with Jerry Borash and uh, meeting the media in Australia on one of these shows. So 
No, meeting a media. That's true. One singular person. Not even a crew. One person. She probably just had a blog. It's just like, yeah, this is the best we can do. If Jerry Noah comes back again, I'll interview him and it'll be the exact same thing. <laughs> it's just be on this show. Yeah. That WWE NWA title match. So that this is a, a, that the world title is even stronger now, Liam. It has been unified. Wow. Mm. The history, the prestige, the glory. That did mean that a bunch of uh, people missed some of the shows this month because obviously they were in Australia. And I was wondering why Chris Saban won a belt and then disappeared. Yeah, because he was on the show. He wrestled Jerry Lynn on that same show. In a match that tore the house down, apparently. Which is the reason that a bunch of people uh, came back. Because you had Paul London, you had the SAT, you had CM Punk return this CM month. CM Punk. So a bunch of those people came basically because, you know, a bunch of their regulars went down to Australia. So they needed to fill in those gaps with some people that people knew. And it was good. It's better than nothing, I suppose. There was some talk of adding a hardcore title belt, but that quickly died. Boo. It should have been... The, her won the hard 10 should have had to defend the hard 10. Like the Dup Cup. It's basically the Dup Cup. But it with is. less Dup. It's a scaled back version of the Duff Cup. We'll talk about the hard 10 in a minute. And The Office threw a going away party for Mortimer Plumtree on May 28th. Despite not appearing on air as a character very often, Plumtree had spent most of the past 12 months working in the TNA office. He decided to move back home to Minnesota rather than relocate his family to Nashville. In part because his wife had a good job. And he probably didn't believe TNA would be there for the long haul. (laughs) Well, what I have to say is what a coward. There was a nice, if you notice at the very end of the last show of the month, they flash on screen a nice little thanks Morty message. So that's, that's nice. Where, where's their thanks Rick message? For, for who? For Rick and Morty. Do the impression! <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. Why yeah. are you making bad Rick and Morty jokes? This is why we're here. This is why the people come for the show. I don't know, Morty. Because I don't have any new ideas. Quick, now do a Raven promo as Rick. The road. I don't know where the <laughs> it's road always goes. The road. <laughs> the road goes places where we don't understand, Rick. I am Rick. Why am I saying <laughs> my own name? <laughs> You're Rick talking to Rick. It's the the convention. The the, the 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 yeah. Rick's talking to Ricks is within the Rick and Morty lore. So far, so far as I'm aware, there have been many Rick clones. They're not clones. They're parallel Ricks. <laughs> There's probably Rick clones too. It's Rick and Morty. Yeah, there is. You're right. That's a good thing about Rick and Morty. You can basically never be wrong because they do every mm. trope under the sun. And then point at the trope and go, "Ha! Look, we're doing the trope <laughs> while they're doing it." Is the entire basis of the show. It's like Family Guy, but for sci-fi nerds. But yeah, good. farewell, Mortimer Plumtree. We Thanks, barely Morty. knew thee. Manager of AJ Styles and the Johnsons. <laughs> and Ace Steel. And Ace Steel, indeed. His original X Division client that he quickly abandoned when he got AJ. Can't blame him. Spanish broadcasts of TNA are scheduled to start on June 18th for the anniversary show. Play-by-play announcer Armando Quintero is trying to use his connections to get TNA Explosion aired on the Telemundo Network. Cool. I believe they also plan for Conan to be doing the Spanish announcing while he's not wrestling. Makes sense. He should do it while wrestling matches. Yeah, the, the Booker T style. Yeah. It's also quite upsetting that they didn't have Joel and Jose Maximo do the Spanish announcing. <laughs> to make them the Spanish announce team. They are the Spanish announce team. Why have they not been the Spanish announce team? Well, they were the Spanish announce teams <laughs> this month. Mm. As they were billed as the SATs. Yeah. Because there's two of them. Oh, so each of them is a Spanish announced team and together they are the, the Spanish announced teams? Yeah, they're very flexible. Wow. They are. 
Observers say that the live crowd attendance has dropped week by week ever since Jarrett Raven. So the build this this Glengalbury match, they can't even literally give away tickets. These fans, they just they can't see wonderful pro wrestling when it's right in front of their eyes. Remind you that they papered tickets like all over the state of Tennessee to try and get people in the door, and there's shows this month that only have eight hundred and eight hundred and fifty fans, despite how much Ooh, they just so give rough. away tickets. That's so rough. <laughs> Like they they're pushing Glengilberti this hard, and they cannot even get people to go see it for free. Oh, I love that they can see this stuff and just not divert course. It's very good. It makes perfect sense. It's good stuff. Good company. <laughs> I I I never get that. How you can't see something go so poorly and be like, all right, we should probably change stuff. Nope, they're going to commit to a full month's build to Glengilberti. I think you're putting too much blame on the Glen Gilberti push. He is literally all over all of these shows. Listen, you don't know. Yo. It might be the Kid Cash storyline doing this. No. Oh, yeah, the, the Trinity fans are all like, we're disgusted. We're not coming back. Yeah. You know what else this could be, Garrett? You know what else happened? Chris Sabre won the X Division title and attendance started plummeting, so... Actually, the week after, attendance went way up, but then Chris Saban wasn't on the show, so attendance went way down. So I think attendance proves that people were like, whoa, Chris Saban's exhibition champion? Let's go to the show next week. Then they went to the show, and Chris Saban wasn't there, and they were furious. So they were like, we're never coming back to this company. You teased us with Chris Saban, the greatest wrestler in the history of existence? So the following attendance is way down again, even though Chris Saban is back, because you bait and switch them on the Chris Saban. Ah. The numbers don't lie, Liam. That's fun. And they spell disaster for Glengilberti. Well, that's fair. That is fair and true. There is a lot of interest in bringing Shane Douglas in as an NWA title contender and a mouthpiece for the Extreme Group. They wanted to start in the last show of the month, but he is currently injured, so not available. If only he could talk with an arm injury or something. Yeah, they could have just brought him in as the mouthpiece. If you remember, there's the, there was the fun story at the start of TNA where they're like, Shane Douglas won't come in because they're working with Francine. Ah, yes. But Francine is no longer there, so I assume Shane Douglas no longer has those objections. He's like, please pay me. They're going to have a new segment on the show called TNA Talk, which Mike Tanae did tease at one stage, I think, the last show of the month, which, according to PW Torch, will supposedly feature real pro wrestling news. Wow. They're like, all right, so Wrestle Kingdom just happened. We're going to talk about Tanahashi. Well, Tanahashi would have been but a wee lad here in 2003. I know, I was doing a vague reference. Sorry, we're talking about Hiroshi Hase. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, I'm upset that you didn't know what main event at the 2003 January 4th Dome show. Fake New Japan fan right here. 2004, obviously, headlined by Nakamura Takeyama. Ah, yes. Dream match. The next year, headlined by Tanahashi, so fuck you. Yeah, that's two years away. That's two years away. But of course, 2003 headlined by Nagata and Josh Barnett. <laughs> Ah, yes. The the New Japan on Access dream match. That was after the match. Yeah. Everyone watching New Japan on Access was like, oh, this Josh Barnett guy calling these Yuji Nagata matches. What if they faced off? Now you're like, do I have the match for you, boys? And they're like, wow. It's not great. Oh, wow. Way to bury an Okiism. Oh, no. I'm the first person in the world to ever say a bad word about it, I'm sure. How many Enochiist, like, Enochiism fans are listening to the TNA (laughs) retrospective podcast? I think once they heard Takawa Mori appeared on one of the early days of TNA, they were like, yo, what if some random Enochiism people show up here in the NWA TNA? I've got to listen to every episode to find out. 
I thought you were just insinuating because it was a Japanese guy that they were like, oh, Inokiism. No, they're like, we have this random obscure Japanese wrestler show up. So what if the other random obscure Japanese wrestlers that whoa, whoa, I like What do you mean, up, obscure? The average human being does not know who Takawa Mori is. How dare you disrespect Get Wild. <laughs> the new Wild Order. Uh, the fact that I don't even know what that is probably proves the point. Wrestle One Stable. Hmm. <laughs> They're just making things up. <laughs> Possibly. Lying to us. So that that's the, the news notes for the week. There's some more stuff as we get through these shows, of course, uh, including some more Jeff Jarrett Vince Russo infighting. Fun stuff. We'll talk about that when we get to the shows in question. So that brings us to broad topics, which we've already discussed the first one a little. They were like, all right, Jarrett and Raven, big match. Did so well. Mm. Sold out the asylum. Turned away 1,100 people. Did our best pay-per-view number in ages. What's the next match we build to? So, like, we got D'Lo Brown? Nah. No. We got AJ Styles? No chance. Couldn't possibly do it. Ron Killings? <laughs> Let's not even put him on the shows. He's been whining. Why would we even think about it? Sabu, or maybe Perry Saturn, or one of the other extreme guys? Dorks. <laughs> Big Mike Awesome push? No way. No. They're like, we got, we got two options here, all right? It's either Eric Watts, or it's Glenn Gilberti. Would you like to hear me say something I wouldn't have thought I would have said, Liam? Oh, please. Rain it down. I would have preferred them to commit the month to Watts. Yes. (laughs) Because at the very least, that's where they were going. That's a story they were telling, and it would have made more sense than them just pivoting to Disco being the biggest badass in the history of wrestling. And that's because Eric Watts is great. Sure. He's wow. So good. Uh, I can't believe you've turned around. So, I mean, I'm just glad you're on the right side of history now. I am simply stating the fact that Eric Watts is less bad than Glenn Gilberti. Hey, we're moving in an upwards trajectory, and I'll take that. I assume you're very upset about the degree to which Watts has been sidelined this month. Nah, he's fucking, he's alright. Okay, we'll get to Watts in a minute. So Disco starts the month being like, I'm the cool guy, sex is all about me now. He had a cool uh, suit on. He's, he's a cool guy now. No, he doesn't have the suit on for the next show. This is, this is I'm just the saying in general, month. he's a cool suit wearing, cigar smoking guy now. It's not even a suit either, he's wearing a shirt and tie and pants, he doesn't have a jacket. I thought he had, a, he had the jacket, didn't he? When he came out of the limo at the start of the second episode. But he took it off pretty quick. When he was in the locker room, he only had the shirt and tie. But he still had it. He owned it. It cost him $2,500. $3,500, I'll have you know. And he was saying that's not the $3,500 suit. Yeah, I was saying, that's why he was wearing the $2,500 suit. Because the $3,500 suit isn't worth going to Nashville for. But $2,500 is still an expensive suit. That's the point. <laughs> Guess, Garrett. That is the point. <laughs> But you don't... Is that he's saying, I still buy expensive suits because I'm cool, but I'm not going to give him the real expensive one. Why not wear the cheap suits? Because <sighs> then... I'd, well, I can't believe I have to explain this to you. <laughs> but it's not an expensive suit. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> Let's convert from 03 to 2021. But now, you look at that suit, that's not a 25... If he paid $2,500 for that suit... Are you saying the suit, heel is lying? 
This it wouldn't be the first time he's been tricked into overpaying for things that are probably fake. We'll talk about that when he gets to this interview later. Oh no. So first show of the month, Gilberti in the locker room with sex. They have the asylum, uh, uh, anarchy in the asylum. God, there's so many asylum named things. There's armed asylum, anarchy in the asylum, asylum alliance. One more, I've forgotten. There's so many freaking asylum named things now that it's hard to keep track. It's of. been the last two months. I've just they've fallen in love with it, and I just want to clarify that uh, with conversion, that actually is. A $3,500 suit. <laughs> so Disco is lying to us based on inflation. Yeah. So the first show of the month is headlined by Anarchy in the Asylum, which is a gauntlet for number one contendership where was it 15 or 16 people entered. And the winner, the number one contender for the NWA World Championship, gifted Glenn Gilberti. Awesome. He beat a lot of people. The The big surprises were Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell were those the, the big surprises in that match. Big, big surprises. I mean, Rick Steiner was great, so I can't be angry at that. Oh, there's a fun note about Rick Steiner. Yes. <laughs> there was a lot of locker room and office heat directed at Rick Steiner following his appearance in the gauntlet for the gold on May 7th. Wrestlers felt that Steiner was out for himself and that he didn't bump for anybody other than Perry Saturn and didn't care to take care of his opponents while suplexing them. Yeah, he was fantastic. Brian Lawler was also upset that Steiner potatoed him during the match. Maybe you should have kicked him in the dick in the match then. That would have worked because this match did in fact involve Brian Lawler hitting D'Lo Brown in the penis at least 10 times. And it, he spread the love a little bit. He hit a couple other people as well. It was mostly D'Lo. Yes. There's actually a moment where he hit D'Lo in the dick so many times that he hits D'Lo in the dick and D'Lo just starts corpsing. He starts laughing that he's done it again. It's very funny. Watch him in the corner. It's like halfway through the match. He hits D'Lo in the balls and D'Lo just starts laughing. D'Lo's like, again? <laughs> to be fair, we were watching it and laughing and going, again? It is all Lawler. This is Lawler's last match in TNA, by the way. He went out in a high. A final hurrah for Brian Lawler. He's just hitting everybody in the balls. This is the end of Brian Lawler's meme run. This is this is how you want to go out, though, isn't it? It is. This is the, the way. But yeah, everyone's upset that Rick Steiner is Rick Steiner. Yeah, how about you guys stop being such loser nerds, okay? How about you go try to give him a cool suplex? Yeah, how about you shoot throw him? <laughs> Again, the random things being reported on TNA's website, Jeremy Borash said in his blog, Word has it Steiner has lots of care for the throw but little care for the landing, if you know what I mean. Ooh. Ooh, JP. <laughs> He's telling us all the inside backstage dealings. But the people in this match were Brian Lawler, Dealer Brown, Sonny Siaki, James Storm, David Young, Kid Cash, Rick Steiner, Mike Awesome, Justin Credible, uh, Lollipop, who attacked Tracy, who Tracy was in the match, Harry Saturn. <laughs> Lollipop wasn't in the gauntlet, I just want to clarify. No, but Tracy was. Yes. <laughs> she didn't beat her up and take her place in the gauntlet. She should have, and then Lollipop should have won the match, and they should have built the month around Lollipop. They probably would have drawn better. Uh, Conan, Disco, Buff, AJ, Sanders, Sabu, and that was it. The most interesting part of this match was this match was over the top rope and you're eliminated, or you could brawl out to the floor and be pinned down to Pulse Count anywhere. But multiple times, Sabu did big dives to the floor where he jumped over the top rope and eliminated himself, except he didn't. Yeah. They're like, no, it doesn't count. He's not eliminated. He gets back in the ring. And like JB at one stage says like Sabu is el- has been eliminated and Sabu gives him like a death stare. And they're like, well, oh no, he's not. Yeah, I believe the justification was that it needs to be done with a maneuver <laughs> over the top rope. But even then, even after Sabu, he did a big dive to the floor to take a bunch of people out. He then does a second big dive to the floor to take people yeah, out. He just kept doing it. He didn't care. 
Sabu's the best. He kept eliminating himself from this gauntlet match. Just the best. Yeah, it came down to Disco and Sabu. Disco eliminates Sabu. Disco becomes number one contender. <laughs> yes. And we're, we were all very aesthetic about it. Yeah, this is the show we did the watch along for. Uh, at pay-per-view number 434, May 7th, com, where you can hear that watch along right now. And hear our sheer delight at Disco becoming number one contender. And the dread in my voice as I realized that's what happened. And then you were like, oh no, and I, I broke the news to you then that they do in fact build the entire month, Liam. They don't just do it the next week. An entire month of Disco. Little did I know, it was a fantastic month of great storyline, so... Like, we don't even get to pay this off, Liam, because the Jarrett Disco match doesn't happen until June. Yeah, we have to talk about it more. We have to talk about this Disco Mega Push again in the next episode. This gets two episodes. There was actually rumblings during this month that they were going to hold off the Jarrett Disco match for the one-year anniversary show. All the way to June 18th. I assumed that was going to be Raven. (laughs) Actually, the the Disco and Raven match at the end of the month was meant to be Jarrett and Raven in the rematch, but there's a a whole cascading series of things that led that not to happen, which we'll talk about in a minute. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Raven's backstage dealings have become some of my favourite so far. The the entirety of TNA now is just Jarrett and Raven butting heads backstage as Russo is like the puppet master. Russo just like pushing him against each other. Indeed. So that brings us to the next show where Glenn Gilberti has taken over. They open with a full, like, Raw segment where all of sex comes out and they're like, Whoa, we're cool guys, I'm in a suit. A cameraman, you follow me because I'm going to do cool stuff tonight. He's so cool! No, he's not. (laughs) He's such a cool and cool, strong, smart guy. This is literally a Raw opening segment. It, no, it's a raw opening segment in the shittiest backdrop ever. Yeah. If they were just in the worst arena of all time. Just there in a shitty small arena doing their promo that nobody cares about, talking about their feud that nobody cares about. This show has the same energy as, like, a backyard show. Mm. In that it's like, it's the booker's mates, so they all get to do whatever they want. <laughs> and they all get to put themselves over, even though none of them are really great. <laughs> In the defense of most backyard shows, they usually feature wrestlers better than Glingle Birdie. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, the the big issue here is that Sex are, are feuding, they're beefing with the Extreme Revolution, which is the same group of people that were in Team Extreme, but they've renamed them Extreme Revolution, probably because WWE are like, hey, wait a minute, we own Team Extreme. Yeah, we have a, we, remember the Hardys? We gave them that name. We fired Jeff, but still, it's ours. We still own the trademark. So there's a lot of tension between Team Extreme and Gilberti. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of gang warfare this month. There is a lot. So Gilberti is recruiting new people. Well, God, there's so much stuff. It's not so much recruiting. It's more of like an open invitation. Well, there's the moment where Kid Cash goes into the sex locker room as a peace offering and offers the services of Trinity. Yeah, he's like, here, go ahead. You can have this woman who I own. And all of them are like, <laughs> just like cartoonishly evil. But then later in the show, Liam, Glenn sits down with Trinity and is like, you know what? We we value you here. We really want you here for you, not to, to Kit Kat giving you to us in a way that's very uncomfortable. Is it wrong that I legitimately like that segment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because he's just a giant manipulative piece of shit. 
this was the only week where I was like, oh man, I, is he? Is this actually going to be good? Because <laughs> like, he was manipulating Trinity here and he did the same exact thing to the gathering as well. Mm. And it worked. He just convinced them. It's just like, Raven's been real bad to you. Where is he? Where is Raven? He's not here, but we're here. We're your friend. And they're like, damn, maybe Glenn's right. And I was like, holy shit. He, he, he's like as much of a, a brainwasher as Raven. <laughs> Clearly, he's, a, he's a, as good a politician as the, the evil cult leader who has a long track record of convincing people to do his bidding. It's awesome. I, I Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Like, the way he, like, he talked to Trinity about it, too. He's like, oh. I mean, of course, like, she would, like, briefly consider it. Look what she's dealing with. The worst person ever to exist on a wrestling show. Mm. We'll talk about Kick-Ash and Trinity in a little bit when we get to the X Division, I guess. Sure. It's, this one's going to be all over the place, because this was... This may have been the most disjointed month so far. When I was doing, like, broad topics, there's, like, there's Gilberti, and then there's, like, there's the tournaments... And then everything else just splinters in like 700 different directions. But it's all like related. It's all like tied into the gang warfare. The, yeah, that's the one thing, the one big note I had from all of these shows was how disjointed everything felt this month. So on that show, on the second show of the month, May 14th, there's an interview with Jeff Jarrett where he's sitting in his house and he's talking about the disco and all the stuff. We had two shoot interviews this month. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a line where he's like, you know what? Once Steve Austin was stunning Steve. Once The Undertaker was mean no. Mark Callis. Who, no. Who's to say that the Disco Inferno can't have a similar rebrand? Everyone. Literally everyone. Ah, oh, Jeff. Maybe, yeah, maybe Jeff just is bad. No one <laughs> in the world has ever looked at the Disco Inferno and been like, oh, you know, if they gave him a real character, that guy could be something. Whereas literally everybody in the world looked at Steve Austin and was like, oh, you know, if they gave that guy a different character, he could really be someone. Oh, boy. And everyone was like, oh, this Undertaker guy is real tall. Why don't we do something with him? Like, he, he buys into it. Like, because you could just imagine that's like Jeff's actual feelings, you know? Mm. That's the problem. And again, Tanae is, this is the show where Tanae is like, you, you know what, this could be a change Glenn Gilberti, he's a whole new wrestler, he's a real, like, like, we've seen him be a badass. It's like, Mike, you're supposed to be the voice of reason here. Yeah, but like, he would look like an idiot if on the show he was like, saying how this is all stupid because the show was taking it seriously. Like, I get what you mean, but him being like, oh, you know, this this guy's a joke, He's never he doesn't have a chance, blah, blah, blah. That's not, that doesn't make any sense when on the show he's beating everyone's ass and winning matches and being the smartest, coolest, toughest guy in the company. But, like, even he won the gauntlet only after the Harris Bros did a bunch of interference for him. Yeah, but then he spent the next month beating everyone up. But no, yeah, on a, like a 10-on-1 disadvantage. Like, this show ends with Triple X defeat Stars and D-Lo to retain the tag titles. And then all the sex people flood out and they beat up Stars and D-Lo. They beat up all the people backstage and they take over. It's a big sex takeover. And it's like, again, they're just beating people up 10-on-1. Like, Gilberti does beat Raven, but only after Vince Russo takes him out with a baseball bat. I also love that in that match, <laughs> there was a point where it's like, they're like, oh... Glenn Gilberti needs to get back to the brawling, the thing that it's, that's really brought him up this month. <laughs> ah, yes, compared to Raven. Famously bad at brawling. I was like, what are you talking about? So, like, they're doing this thing where they're telling us this, this guy is this badass, but, like, he's still a worm, which is the reason it would be such a better story if they're, like, he has these ten goofs behind him that he is convinced to do his bidding, and he could steal the title. 
Oh, so you're advocating for a Glenn Gilberti title run? No, he should be a goof who Jared overcomes. Wow, you've heard it here first, guys. Garrett wants Gilberti to win the title next month. Yeah, so NWTNA paper number 46, May 21. Gilberti's not there, but we do have a sit-down interview with Glenn. That's, you've, you're so desperate to talk about this. So Glenn spends this sit-down interview wearing a Manchester United jersey, Liam. Which, man, you. My very favourite part of is it's a fake Man United jersey. Yes. It's not a real United jersey. The man has been swindled by some huckster into probably paying full price for this very fake Manchester United jersey. How can you tell? That has never been a a design of a Manchester United jersey. Maybe he just had a custom one made. Oh yeah, of course. He's such a big fan that he needed his custom Man United jersey. Don't gatekeep Glenn Gilberti. I will gatekeep Glenn Gilberti because he's been conned. He's been deceived by somebody. Do you want to talk about the content of the interview or you just want to really nail in on the... No, we're going to talk entirely about Manchester United fan Glenn Gilberti and his fake shirt. He probably got it in like the Canaries because famously if you go to Spain you'll see a bunch of like fake jerseys like just lining the streets for for much less than the regular retail price and people would come home for the holidays being like, I got a Barcelona jersey and you'd see it's like the fake Barcelona jersey. It's like, oh, good for you. Well done. So Glenn, Glenn is one of those people. He clearly went on holiday to Spain and is like, oh, geez, look at this Manchester United. And it's, all, it's, a, it's a third of the actual price of a Manchester United jersey. I've got this as a deal. This is a steal. It's a bargain. I went, not me, literally, like this fictional p- person. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, I went to insert place here and came back with this Rolex. Could you believe I got it for a quarter of the price? <laughs> it's definitely real. It's a real Rolex. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Actually, United are short of a manager these days. They sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this week. So, uh, one thing I will give Disco Inferno, his managerial skills for sex, very good. He's increased membership. Mm. He's brought titles. He has improved morale compared to Sonny Siaki. Sonny Siaki, they treat like a nerd. Yeah, if there's one thing you can talk about, his leadership abilities. I just want to mention that I didn't notice how terrible his facial hair was in this interview until I'm looking at a photo of it. Yeah, because it weirdly amplifies his butt chin, but also looks horrific. It also doesn't connect. Because, like, he literally, he shaved his neck, and he shaved, like, his cheeks. His cheek? You you just have, like, a line of stubble going across his jawline. Like, he has, like, the hair sideburn bit, but not the beard sideburn bit that, like, matches it. Mm. It's so odd. It's a very strange combination here, and his weird butt chin is thoroughly amplified by it. <laughs> it's, like, shiny. Look at his shiny butt chin. I want to, like, spank it. If you go to tnhad.com, you will see that there is the, the, the photo of the Glengilberti in the Manchester United jersey in our show notes, uh, which you can get for one buck a month. It's also on my Twitter. I, we have a flooding in of $1 Patreons. All the $1 Patreons to see the Glengilberti butt-chin Manchester United jersey photo. <laughs> but, yeah. The content of the interview, now that we're done with him and his... Him being swindled by some dude in Spain. He basically said that, like, Jeff Jarrett's out of touch. It was mostly about how Jeff Jarrett was old and should not be world champion. Jeff Jarrett doesn't know what the kids want. <laughs> I like that. Like, he's like, oh, the kids, what they want is this sports entertainment. And Jarrett is a 42-year-old father of three or whatever he said. He won't, he won't understand these things. I thought he was things. talking about Jerry <laughs> the whole time. I guess it would make sense. I don't know. I, I was like, I was like, he can't be talking about Jeff. <laughs> I don't even think Jeff was that old at this stage. No. It's a clear burial of poor Jeff Jarrett. It's his uh, 
grandmother hair that he's been wearing for the last three months. Oh yeah, he's straight out of Coronation Street. The man like walked out of EastEnders to Coronation Street, then took a trip to Emmerdale, then went down to Holby City, travelled to Australia, went through Neighbours, went through Home and Away, hit up Shortland Street, and then travelled here to the NWA TNA with his soap opera hair. Yeah. And what a fantastic look he's brought to the table there. Has he? No. Okay. <laughs> Just like this Glenglebirdie Manchester United jersey. A right proper scouser. Which brings us to the last show of the month in which Glenglebirdie gets Jeff Jarrett suspended for attacking Raven the week before. Yeah, which is funny because I, there must have been some sort of miscommunication here because immediately after that segment they cut to the back and he's like, haha, I got Raven suspended, guys. <laughs> yeah, he, he fucked up his line and then Mike Denae had to cover for him. I was like, what's happening? I was so confused. <laughs> Yeah, because the May 21st show opens with Raven cutting a promo on Jeff Jarrett, featuring your favourite line in TNA history, I believe. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Yes, Raven, while cutting a promo on Jeff Jarrett, said the words, No one jerks off at Nashville without Jeff Jarrett owning a part of his fist. It's so good, though, isn't it? And then Jeff Jarrett sneaks up behind him, because Raven is cutting this promo, sitting on top of a television production truck. Yeah, outside, which is a point of contention that we'll see later. And then Jarrett sneaks up on him. Like Solid Snake. (laughs) And performs a stealth takedown. This is a Hitman level, where it's like Raven is just doing his thing, going on his routine, on his NPC path. And Jarrett pops up, unseen. You never see Jarrett. He got the S rank for his stealth mission. Yeah, very good. So he chokes out Raven, leaves him laying, and that's what he gets suspended for the following week. Glenglaberti, for some reason, politics to get Jarrett suspended by who even knows who, because we don't have an authority figure on these shows. This is a big month for stealth attacks. What are the other ones? Well, we had Amazing Red appearing from out of nowhere with a hurricane runner on Raven as he was trying to leave the arena. We had the setup ambush with Ron Killings and the Harris brothers and Conan. Oh yeah, they beat up the Nazis. Yeah, allegedly. No, they beat them up. <laughs> yes, that was the bit I was alleging. <laughs> Big month for stealth attacks. And I appreciate it. That should be one thing they do carry over from this month. It's a very sneaky company. Why would you attack someone head to head when you can simply wait until they're cutting their masturbatory promo on top of a <laughs> television production truck and then you choke them out from behind? Gilberti Gal- would have... Gilberti? Gilberti is what I'm going to call it anyone. Gilberti would have been screwed if Raven had have cut this promo inside of the asylum because he couldn't have got him banned yeah although it's not like jeff listened to the banning anyway (laughs) that's like he doesn't even go the entire show he's handed this letter on on the show and he opens it and he's like smiling and he's reading it he's like mike tanae you see this and he shows the letter to mike tanae and mike tanae relays to the audience that jeff darrett has been suspended for one night only a single night jeff darrett has been suspended so jeff darrett's like oh i know great then leaves (laughs) That's his exact quote. He doesn't even get. He doesn't even get to do that. Like they just cut to the backstage segment where Glenn Gabbard like, "Ha, I got Raven suspended." Yeah, and then Mike Tanay has to say afterwards, "He meant Jeff Jarrett. He was talking about Jeff Jarrett." And then later in the show, Jeff just comes back. Yeah, they're, they're like, "Hey, Jeff, can you leave?" And he's like, "How about I take a shit on this instead, mate?" Mm. And they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> And then that brings us to our main event, in which Glenn Gilberti defeated Raven, following interference from the returning Vince Russo. Uh, a freshly shaven Vince Russo. He looks very weird without the beard, doesn't he? Looks very young, though. He does. He, he does look in his 30s, as opposed to in his 40s. Handsome guy, this Vince Russo. Ah, yeah, well, you think he's dashing? Yeah, luscious hair. 
There was a whole saga around this Gilbertian Raven match. I was going to say, there has to be. The whole time I was thinking about this, I was like, if Gilberti wins, how the fuck did they get that to go through? So, the backstage tension between Jeff Jarrett and Raven continued at the May 28th show. When Raven arrived at the building, he tried to pull out of his scheduled match with Glenn Gilberti. Based. Which was the advertised main event of the show. Raven told TNA officials that he suffered a head injury, thought to be leave, uh, to be a mild concussion, while working in D'Lo Brown at an independent event in Canada the night before, when D'Lo Based. Brown accidentally struck him with a stick. Based. And, like, the left side of Raven's head was noticeably swollen, according to several backstage sources, so he was not making this up just to get out of job. I like to mention the whole time in the car, on the way to the thing, he was just, like, punching himself in the head. He's like, come on, come on, I don't want to lose the Glenn. I don't want to lose the fucking Glenn. <laughs> and my favourite part is they drive to the shows together, apparently, so Glenn is just sitting in the car while Raven's punching himself in the head. He's like, I'm not doing the job to you. I'm not doing the job to you. Are you alright? He's like, don't fucking lose the Glenn. He's like, oh yeah, daylight, you know? <laughs> Uh, despite Raven's request to get out of the match, Jarrett was insistent that the advertised match take place. There was some suspicion on Jarrett's part that Raven was trying to get out of the match to avoid doing the job, but a number of TNA sources said that Raven was clearly injured and questioned why he would want to get out of doing a job for a friend and political ally like Gilbert. Maybe because it makes him look like fucking shit. <laughs> yep, sure does. So Jarrett insisted that Raven do the match. He offered the opportunity to do a short and safe match, but Raven eventually worked that up to doing, like, this match goes 15 minutes. So, like, Jarrett's like, you can do a short, quick match, but Raven is like... I don't want to be beaten by Glenn Gilberti in five minutes, so we will do a proper 15-minute main event. And what a proper main event it was. One spot where Raven was meant to kick out of the Seacalypse, but they pulled it from the match because Raven couldn't physically take the move. I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, so, like, this is 2003, an era in which head injuries were not taken nearly as seriously as they are now. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that in 2021 wrestling where someone was like, oh, I think I got a concussion there last night. And the, the, the booker of the company is like, no, you've got to do the match. Yeah, do it short and safe, idiot. Just do a five minute match. It's fine, but you have to do it. Yeah, that doesn't go down anymore, which is, you know, great. I mean, probably does still go down, to be honest. Well, I think wrestlers, I don't think, hmm, I'd like to think bookers don't force wrestlers to do it as much. But you gotta remember, like, in, especially in this kind of business, like, they may not force anyone to do anything, but, like, the implication, the unspoken implication is always there. Yeah, and I think wrestlers are stubborn and stupid, and, like, there's always the thing of make your dates, don't miss the shows, like, if you can work, you work. And also, like, you know, if what if I don't do this, someone takes this spot, they might change the push, blah, 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 blah. And if I don't do this, I don't get paid if you're working indies. Yeah, so. So there are, there are horrible disincentives for people to do this. It's a rough one. It's yeah, it's a bad business that regularly doesn't look after its its wrestlers. But the match itself, Gilberti beat him. Russo returned to the show. He hit Raven with a baseball bat. Gilberti pinned him. Son of a bitch. It was absolutely fascinating to see Gilberti like doing ankle locks and working like a body part. Yeah, and Raven's selling. Like Disco worked the leg. This was a leg match between Glenn Gilberti and Raven. Yeah, it wasn't a good one. It wasn't bad either. It was fine. Yeah, you know, like, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't awful either. It was just that standard, like, two and a half star heavyweight match, which is perfectly acceptable, but something you will never remember. Besides for the fact that you can say Glenn Gilberti beat Raven. For reasons beyond comprehension. <laughs> and, like, this was the original spot where they were thinking about doing the Raven and Jarrett rematch, but they switched it to Gilberti because they wanted to do the Gilberti match sooner. And I guess needed Gilberti to have a credible win over a main event star. 
and chose Raven, yeah. even though he beat AJ last month. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of glam, a lot of disco. So Disco is our biggest star in the history of the NWATNA here in May 2003. <laughs> as attendances collapse around him, as I'm sure Byrates went through the floor, Disco, your main event star. Please consider him for the rest of the year. Of course. Who else could you consider? I can't think of a single person. According to PW Torch, while no one is sure what made Russo agree to return as an honor character, it's well known that Jared has been asking him to do it all along, so they, they really didn't want Russo. Jared, I'm trying to like you, man. <laughs> he is doing himself no favors. It's like, I, I desperately like am trying to like you, but you're making it very difficult. I did quite enjoy Mike Tanay, of course, famous for his oh shit, it's Vince Russo line. Did quite well go back to the well when Vince Russo showed up on this show where he shouted, Russo's back! The son of a bitch is back! Yeah, it's a good line. Which is, it doesn't have quite the authentic visceral hatred of oh shit, it's Vince Russo, but it's pretty solid. Because he's also spent the last three months just hanging out with him backstage anyway, so. <laughs> he's just always around and hanging out in the back of uh, New Church pre-tapes, so. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I saw him in the background of that James Mitchell promo there the other week. So this is no surprise. Where was James Mitchell this month? He's... Is he on the show? His guys are on the show. but now that yeah, His guys are on the show, but he's never with them. Yeah, I don't think there's any James Mitchell. Maybe he was ringside for the gauntlet. But yeah, I don't think he's on the later shows in the month at all. Where Slash Awesome and Brian Lee are. Yeah. But that's Disco. That is the month of Disco. Disco fever. The NWA DNA did in fact have disco fever here in May 2003. Well, I'm glad we can move on from it. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you spent literally the entirety of the last, like, hour putting it over? Yeah, because it's a fun meme and it makes you angry, but, like, I don't actually want to watch it. Like, we're not done. Disco and Jared is next week. Oh, trust me. Next week I'll be like, wow, fantastic match. Uh, Just tremendous effort from Disco. Really dragging this Jeff Jarrett performance up. And we won't be covering that for a month. Because uh, we'll be off for a in two weeks. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Excuse to put off watching it. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Raven Jarrett stuff as well here? Well, it's it's a, a, a we covered it, I think a bunch of it already. There was the sneak attack. There, there's the post match stuff as well. Oh yeah, we'll go, we'll go back to earlier in NW18 paper number forty seven May twenty eight in which Jarrett comes out and starts cutting the promo where. For like the fifth time in two months, he turns heel again. Well, it's because the crowd's thoroughly turned on him here. But like the bizarre thing is, Disco's a heel, even though they're treating him as a badass. He's a heel. The crowd doesn't consider the the Disco feud as a real feud, <laughs> and neither does Jarrett. But surely you would wait at least until you do the Jarrett Disco match before you turn Jarrett again. I think they knew that he was getting that heel reaction regardless, because like, and you got to remember, like by this. If, in, on the exact same boat, Raven is now getting cheered and a week before he threatened to pour bleach down a woman's throat. <laughs> it's true, that's the thing he did. But that was a pre-tape, they might not have seen it. But that was still the week before. <laughs> Clearly the people in the asylum don't go home and buy the pay-per-view, Liam. They're not going to TNA.com to read the, the pre-tapes? Yeah, it's like, well, what, did, what didn't they show us here? They maybe didn't put everything on the big screen. He's going to pour bleach down her throat. His direct quote... It was that he is going to clean the betrayal out of your soul <laughs> with bleach down Mickey James' throat. And I feel like we say this every month, but, you know, the the worst month to be a woman in TNA, maybe? Well, it depends, unless you're Tracy Brooks or that nurse who need a bunch of people in the balls. Well, yeah, then you're getting, like, beaten viciously for three weeks, <laughs> or getting dragged around and getting bleached, <laughs> getting threatened with bleach. Mm. 
So, yeah, Jarrett and Raven are doing that problem with the ring. Jarrett's like, you don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes. You don't know what it's like to be me. And the, he's like, life sucks, then you die to somebody in the crowd who's booing him. That, that's a good line, though. That was a good line whenever you hear it. J- Raven comes out, interrupts him. Jarrett calls Raven like a drug, a drug adult screw-up, which gets a big pop. Raven does the same thing that, like, any dude who does drugs does, where it's like, as soon as you mention drugs, they like they just go, oh, yeah, you know, I do, I've done drugs in my time. I, I did quite enjoy it. It's like, you're nothing but a screw-up. You've been an addict all your life. You're pay- ever, ever since birth. And you're the crowd like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Which kind of always, it just shows you that like, that's, the wrestling crowds are all like misfits, degenerates. They're always going to be on the side of that guy, aren't they? Mm. They, they, they never, they never want to see like the clean baby face who's like, oh, well, I've never done a thing wrong. <laughs> I mean, just look at AEW. <laughs> like the guy who's the biggest baby face in the world was a drunk for a year and a half. Who, like, betrayed all of his friends. That's obviously why you're the baby face of this podcast and I'm in the, I'm the heel. Yes, because you're the drunk. No, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the straight edge guy and obviously you're the... Oh, gen- yeah, you're, you're the Jeff gen- Jarrett and I'm Raven. Yeah, that's that's the dynamic of this podcast. Oh, that's another um, Halloween costume idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no. You I, go as Jeff, I go as Raven. I don't want to have to wear a Jeff Jarrett wig. <laughs> but imagine the fit. Get the glasses, you get the button up. Yeah, white pants. Yeah. Still wouldn't like that. You get the NWA title? Sure. Yeah, that's the thing I have. Yeah. And politically trying to keep out of doing a rematch against Raven. <laughs> I get to wear a skirt. Hell yeah. It's called a kilt, Liam. Win-win all around. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I also like, there's, um, just to go back to the Gilberti match, there's a very clear difference between like babyface Raven working and heel Raven working. Because mm. babyface Raven likes to do wacky things like put his kilt over the face while doing the 10 punches. I, I noticed that. I was like, wait, is he doing that? Oh, he is doing that on purpose. Very good. Because <laughs> yeah, he's a babyface now. And he's mugging to the crowd. Yeah, so basically, like, neither guy did, like, a face or a heel turn, but they figured the rejection of the Jarrett retaining against Raven, where the crowd chanted bullshit and they were very displeased, they basically considered that at least the the pretense to do a double turn with the, t- the two of them. That They figured that the crowd are finally, like, onto the fact that Jarrett is booking himself to retain the title against the guys people liked. So that's the reason the crowd have firmly turned on Jarrett this month. It was, like, 50-50 in the Jarrett-Raven match, you know? When he came back... It was like I was surprised. It took me aback. Mm, they're they're firmly finally rejected Double J in his hometown of Nashville. So all of him acting like an asshole the entire time and doing like two heel turns in the last two months, it's finally caught on. Yeah, it's like oh man, this guy kind of sucks. He's a bit of a jerk. So we're gonna boo him. So yeah, the, the Jared officially I think turns heel in this month. Yeah, until he's a babyface in the disco match next week. <laughs> Yeah, but then, like, I don't know, Raven will beat him up after and get cheered. Yeah, I, I do enjoy Raven as a worker a lot more as a babyface, I think, actually. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to that a lot more as well. Because the, the best thing about that disco match is Raven as a babyface, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I think that's most of the important Jarrett Raven stuff. The only other Raven stuff was a part of other people's stuff, but so was everything else. <laughs> yeah, let's go to gang warfare before we do tournaments. All right, yeah. Because the Kang Warfare is the tournament. Yeah, it's, it's, bo- it's the reason both of the tournaments are happening, for some reason. Alright, let's do the biggest setup. The larger story. So there, there is four stables feuding here in TNA. There is the Sports Entertainment Extreme, led by Kang Alberti. Uh, there is the uh, Extreme Revolution. Yay. Which is the Sandman, New Jack, Perry, Saturn, Just Incredible stable. There is the Disciples of the New Church, which is Mike Awesome, Brian Lee, and Slash. Shrug? And then there is the National Wrestling Alliance, which is everybody else. <laughs> Literally everyone. <laughs> which really, when you think about it, they should outnumber all the other stables, like, four to one, and just beat the shit out of them, but nonetheless. Well, like, 
at the very least, like, the, the, the disciples of the New Chats have the lowest advantage here. <laughs> There's three of them. Mm. But one of them is Mike Awesome. Yeah, well, he's, he doesn't seem too hard to beat. Well, yeah, Mike Sanders beats him in a tables match, so that's true. So there's a, a bunch of infighting and matches between all of these stables. There's like a, pretty much all of them interacted and mingled in the um, Anarchy in the Asylum Gauntlet match to become number one contender. Uh, start of the month, Sabu defeated New Jack and Sandman to qualify for that match. So there's fighting within the extreme guys. But we'll talk about Sabu again in a minute because Sabu no-showed a bunch of shows this month. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the last time I saw him. He was meant to be on two more, but missed his flights both times, I think? Cool. And he's not the only person to no-show shows this month. We'll talk about that as well in a moment. So uh, that first show, categorized by a bunch of people coming together. So then we go to the May 14th show in which the the gang warfare truly breaks out between sex and the extreme revolution in particular. Yes. That show opens with, we mentioned the, the Gilberti Raw opening promo, but then Extreme Revolution confronts them. They have a big brawl, but Sandman's, uh, he's he's a little conflicted about brawling with sex here. <laughs> Which bit, sir? Sandman, brawling, start of the show, conflicted, sets ah, up, yes. Yes. peace offering, yeah. Siyanki, story of the month. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm confused. There's so much stuff going on. There's a lot of intermingling. So yeah, the, the Sandman doesn't attack any of sex as the, the rest of his Extreme Revolution cohort run them off. So he is he is a peace offering backstage with uh, with Sonny Siaki. They have a sit down to try and hammer out their differences civilly, Liam. I also took this as like Siaki fucking it up for Gilberti. Because <laughs> like Gilberti was like, yeah, I'll have a one-on-one with Sandman. Then Siaki's like, all right, I'll handle this. And it immediately goes poorly. And, like, Gilberti had the snake tongue this month. He's talking everybody into joining sex and helping them out. It's not going well. It's not going well for uh, Siaki, though. So, they, yeah, they sit down. He invites them. They're sitting in front of a truck for some reason. <laughs> they just have a table out there. I had a, an epiphany this month as well. The only place more dangerous than a NXT parking lot is an NWA TNA parking lot. <laughs> Which, like, I, I understand why wrestling companies actually do this. It's just, like, it's basically scene variety. You know, instead of just doing yeah. the same thing over and over again, it's like, we'll do some stuff in the parking lot, it'll be different. But yeah, everyone gets jumped in the parking lot. It also makes it look like the most dangerous place to ever exist. <laughs> yeah, you pull up in your car and you get your ass kicked. It's like, you will never know when Amazing Red will pop out of nowhere to hit you with a hurricane <laughs> runner. And just look real cool while he's doing it. It can happen at any stage or any time. Always be aware. So yeah, Siaki sits down with Sandman. They try to hammer things out diplomatically. He's like, Desire sits on Sandman's lap and like rubs his cane. Yeah, jerks off the cane. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you got a big stick. And he's like, yeah, hey, I'll show you a big stick. There's a, actually a moment later in the month where Sandman's doing his entrance and he jerks off the big stick while spitting his beer out, simulating yeah. ejaculating. It's it's a good, huh. it's a good bit. Good bit. David Young swings the cane, but, but Sandman just sidesteps it and he just nails Desire instead. Yep, and that's uh, another recurring subplot of this month, the, the love triangle between Desire, David Young, and Sonny Siaki. Again, like my statement about every love triangle in history, a thruple would solve this. Of course. But yeah, the, another giant brawl breaks out between Sex and the Extreme Guys in which Saturn against Gilberti is made. Also, on that show, Mike Sanders defeats Mike Awesome in a tables match. Awesome. Because Gilberti's so strong and tough. <laughs> yeah, Gilberti comes out, hits Awesome with a chair while they're both on the top. Awesome falls through a table. Sanders wins. Is that the last time we see Awesome as well? I don't think so. I think he might be in the uh, Asylum Alliance tournament. Armed Asylum? No, I'll get there. <laughs> what the, the Hard 10. There you go. <laughs> Oh, they, wow, wasn't even an asylum-based one. He should win and just, like, 
by doing two awesome bombs through tables and getting ten points immediately. How cool would that be? This dude who does cool power bombs should do cool power bombs and win. Yeah. It's a revolutionary concept here in the NWATNA. Nah, Mike Sand is much tougher. Oh god, no. Liam, no. What? That is Mike Awesome's last match. <laughs> he does some Al Japan, he does some MLW, but no more NWATNA after this, after he was disgraced and beaten by Mike Sanders. He's just like, I can't come back. He, he, he was the giant slayer. He's like, I've been slayed. I, I just can't come back. I like to imagine that Sanders' awesome match was so bad that it sealed both of their careers in the company. Pretty much, because uh, Sanders, I do believe, continues into as I said, but he's he's not long for the world either, as a lot of these guys who have been regulars on the show start disappearing. Saturn's another one. Oh, that's kind of sad. Saturn's been pretty good. We do have more Saturn in June, including a, a fun, wacky Perry Saturn match. Oh, fun. Let's go. Which you can look forward to. One of the random Japanese names showing up, as mentioned. <gasps> Who will it be? I hope it's Josh Barnett. Yeah, of course. I don't even remember where we were. Oh yeah, sex go to giant warfare, then sex take over the show at the end of the month. Yeah, they beat everyone up. It's, I mean, to be fair, it's a good, like, takeover bro. It's much better than the last one where they wore all, like, the, the military attire and tried to take over. Mm. Saban joined. Joined sex. Nah. Everyone's joining. Everyone's joining sex. Big fans of sex here. <laughs> I like that you can tell when Saban's evil because he has his hair in a bun. Mm, as opposed to long straight hair. Yeah. It's nice that he has that deep lore. <laughs> that's his that's his Malachi Black lore. I'm both upset and pleased that we now we refer to all wrestling character development as lore. Yeah. It's much better. It's both horrible and great. Yeah. It's cuz all wrestling fans are gigantic nerds. Mm. And just we just like oh the the deep story and we want to convince ourselves that wrestling is somehow like high art instead of just nonsense. No, because sometimes it is. It's like oh the symbolism. He's 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 doing the things with the socks. You know what it is? It's like, we had four years of New Japan actually doing, like, three, four-year-long stories, and we're like, wow, wrestling can actually do it. And then everyone stopped, and we're like, no, no, but it can do it still, we swear. The socks. The socks. His socks are different colors. That's the equivalent of, like, we're so desperate for it now. We're like, look, he's got... He's, the, 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 the lights in the promo are different. It means something because we saw Kenny and Kota exchange a look before a loss in, in an IWGP title match. And we're like, it's the same thing. It's all stories. It's all storytelling. I miss four-year-long stories. As we I say, as AEW just paid off a two-year-long story. And as we just tease what is a four-year-long story based around the TNA mascot. Of course. I think it needs to be more than a backstage note and then the thing happening to be storytelling. No, that's storytelling. Like, they teased it. They thought about it. It's right here. <gasps> no, they're not doing the storytelling. We're doing the storytelling. There you go. This is this is the narratives. We're the true storytellers here in pro wrestling. Wow. Also, given how often they do worked shoots on this in this company and how often they, like, work wrestling news beats into the actual show itself. Yeah. Yeah, when they do their TNA talk show, I hope they talk about the mascot. <laughs> oh, there was a report in the PW Torch last week about a mascot. That's wrong. That's stupid. Who would do that? But like, even on these shows, there's uh, one of the shows where Raven is not, and they're like, Mike Tanay is on commentary. It's like, you know he doesn't have a contract, like, based off of the, the big reporting after the Jarrett Raven match that he didn't have a contract. Mm. Which is a thing that was never established in the universe of the show, but it's a Mike Tanay line based on the fact that it's a, a news report outside of the universe of the show. Also, to be fair, that's not like like on their website they're they're just acknowledging everything anyway. Yeah, and Raven does sign a new contract this month. In case anybody was wondering, yeah, I was wondering. Very early in the month, Raven is back on board. 
Where the fuck were we up to? Uh, sex destroys everybody. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool beatdown, and it ends with Gilberti smoking a cigar like a real cool guy. So the following week, Mike Tanea tells us that in order to address all of this gang warfare, they have decided to come up with two tournaments. This is how you address gang warfare. This is what the police should have realized. Just put on two tournaments. Some professional wrestling tournaments will solve all of your problems. It doesn't even need to be professional wrestling. Just tournaments. So the first is the Hard 10 tournament, which is a hardcore style tournament. I'm so excited for the Hard 10. Each weapon shot gets you one point. Each table bump gets you five points. First to ten wins, but you must win by two. Yes. So Good rules. And rules that are actually understandable. Yeah, it's like a darts match up in here. you got to win by two legs, straight legs. Is that how you win darts? Well, there's some tournaments where you do have to win by two straight sets or two straight legs. Tennis is probably like the, the more well-known sport where you do have to win by two points. I've never heard of it. Tennis? Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult sport to understand. Is it like table tennis? They put two people on the either end of a, of a court and there's a net in the middle and they both have rackets and a ball and they have to hit the ball back and forth until they stop. Oh yeah, my hero Nick Curios plays that. Sure. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a, a local reference for all these all the Aussies in the crowd. Which is apparently many in the NWATNA, so good job. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm like the NWTNA, I'm just pandering. So the other tournament, the one that makes considerably less sense... In order to stop all these people infighting and like fighting each other and hating each other, they have started the Asylum Alliance Tournament, which is, as I like to call it, the Can They Coexist Tournament. Yes, which I was very pleased to hear Mike Cheney say the exact line. So, seven out of the eight teams in the tournament have been pan-selected by TNA from the various stables and put together. So, as I scroll down to the tournament brackets, you have the team of New Jack and Shark Boy. The greatest team that's ever existed. Oh, just you wait till we get to June. <laughs> there is some tremendous New Jack and Shark Boy content coming up. They're so great together. You have Don Harris and Ron Killings. <laughs> you have Tracy and David Young. You have Trinity and Kit Cash. You have Sandman and Sunny Siaki. You have, we'll talk about it in a moment, a mystery team. Ooh. You have Just Incredible and Jerry Lynn. And then the eighth team is the team that wins the AJ Styles and D'Lo Brown against AMW match, which is AMW. The law that the real team had to earn their way in. That's such a great idea. <laughs> you only have one real team in this tournament, and they do have to work their way in. Someone should do that now. It's like a bunch of rando teams, and then like one opportunity for a real team to get in, because they'll obviously have the advantage over all the rando teams. Yeah, so this is DNA's big plan to try and get everyone to work together. It's like, why can't we all just get along? Why can't we? There's more that unites us than divides us. We just be pals. Yeah, don't you want titles? So the entirety of the May 21st show is basically like a can-they-get-along show. It's kind of great. The gang warfare erupts. So you you also, separate from the tournament, get what was meant to be a six-stand tag team match, but it actually ended up being a three-on-two handicap match, which was Amazing Red, Just Incredible, and Slash against the Triple X team of Christopher Daniels and the Skipper. And for me, what was easily the best match of the month. I thought this banged. Because this is like full red babyface in peril again. Skipper and Daniels are so good. They're like just tremendous. There was a real weird chant from the crowd who started chanting R-E-D. <laughs> R-E-D. And I was like, do you not know who he is and you're just reading the back of his tights? I thought they were chanting R-E-D for a minute. I was like, what? Oh, you're saying red. You're you're spelling red. It's so stupid. But yeah, they're super on board with Red. And like when he made the hot tag to Slash, they were like chanting evil and everyone was so into it. Yeah, this match with Triple X, they're the best team, like the best thing going on any of these shows. They're they're really good. I love them. 
I love them so. I love everything about them. I love their like snide characters. Mm. I love their stupid funky music. I love like every time that they come out, they have the best match on the show. Then <laughs> they actually have a good wrestling match every week, which is just you know a pleasant a pleasant thing to see. As opposed to most of these people doing like shitty walking brawls. Really shitty walking brawls. Yeah, really good match. Really good match. It's shockingly good. And my favorite note was like it was meant to be a six man tag with Loki, but Loki dislocated his shoulder in a, a show in the UK. But Mike Tanay is like gloating. You're like, huh, idiot. So you get what you deserve, Triple X. This guy dislocated his shoulder. You deserve to have a three on two disadvantage. What a mean guy. And listen, when we get to the tag team stuff, we'll talk about how Daniels has a a man disadvantage for a lot of this month, so it's really unfair. Well, especially with the the, the first week as well. It's just, uh, poor Daniels. Everyone's ganging up on Christopher Daniels. Which is, to be fair, I guess is the the story. It's the irony of Triple X finally getting their own medicine. So we get all four Asylum Alliance first round matches this month. You get New Jack and Sharkboy against Don Harris and Truth. Don Harris and Truth immediately implode. I love that this whole tournament based around bringing people together doesn't work at all. Nope. Very first match in the tournament. The two teams do not get along. In fact, they attack their teammate backstage. Mm. So yeah, the Harris Bros attack Killings, but then Killings still makes his own comeback and wins. So Killings beats Sharkboy and New Jack. Yeah. Which is very upsetting because we get some very good Sharkboy and New Jack content this month, frankly. Yeah, well, at least it brought them together to give us... Something better in the future. So before that match against Don Harris and Killings, you get Sharkboy and New Jack back play, backstage playing Candyland. <laughs> I love that like this all started because New Jack and Sandman were playing chess. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, which board game can we get New Jack to New Jack's so good. I'm so happy he's having this run. And like my favorite part is the, the promo on the next show where New Jack is standing at the top of the asylum with a large jug of water. Yeah, And he throws this jug of water from the top of the asylum through a table at the bottom of the asylum. And he says that's Slash's head. And I'm curious, like, does he mean the table is his head or the water is his head? No, he very clearly means the water is his head because he tells us... Ah, because when it spills, it's his blood spilling. Yes, he quite eloquently tells us what this is a metaphor for, which is that the water spilling out of the jug that he threw, like, 20 feet through a table is a metaphor for the blood that will spill from Slash's head when they face off in a hard 10 match. Also, very nice of Shark Boy to continue wanting to play after New Jack was very clearly cheating. Yeah, he's clearly trying to find a game that New Jack will obviously be on level pegging with, which is obviously Shoots and Ladders. Yes. Or Snakes and Ladders, as we know it by. Uh, same. It's a cultural difference there. What's, what the fuck's a shoot? It's a it's like a thing you can go down. A slide? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. But snakes are way cooler. So yeah, New Jack wants, or Shark Boy wants to play games with New Jack. So do I. Don't we all? Hmm. I like that during the Candyland segment, there was a little Sandman action figure on the Candyland. <laughs> yeah, Sandman is too busy teaming with Sonny Siaki. I've never played Candyland, so. Neither have I. So I, I don't even know how it works. I assume it's like every other game. <laughs> we should do a Patreon series of playing all of the games that New Jack played. <gasps> we could get the board game simulator. Head-to-head in chess, head-to-head in Candyland, head-to-head in Shoots and Ladders. I will beat your ass at some chess. Uh, you probably will, even though you were like, I haven't lost a game of chess in an entire the year. <laughs> I, I never said that. <laughs> I never bragged about never losing chess. We were playing a random game of chess on Switch, and Liam was like, I haven't lost a game of chess all year. I'm undefeated in chess. In that I hadn't played one all year. 
And I I haven't played chess in like 15 years, and then I beat Liam, and he was very upset. Ah, oh, shoot, mad. It's almost worse than when we started playing the Naruto fighting game, and you beat me, and I was like, I just, what's the point? So I like purposefully cheated when we played Pokemon. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> so I just like brought legendaries. I was like, I'm not losing again. We were discussing this. We should do a Pokemon battle on the Patreon sometime this month. Or next month, probably. Without completely non-meta relevant teams. Well, it'll just be you with your Staraptor and your Lucario and your Luxray. Yeah, you know my team. This is bullshit. <laughs> you can change yours now. Uh, so Tracy and David Young teamed up to, to face Trinity and Kid Cash. Oh, so should we do like the Trinity stuff? Yeah, let's spin off. So this month... This is a good way of getting through all the other stuff, actually. As the matches happen, we can talk about the storylines that are relevant to them. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network so this month kid cash and trinity had a month kid cash is the worst pro wrestling character ever well he's meant to be you're meant to hate him that's the yeah, I'm saying I'm not saying he's bad at it. Mm. I'm saying this guy is my least favorite pro wrestling character I've ever seen because I feel legitimately uncomfortable every time he's on the screen. 
So the very first show of the month, uh, May 7th, uh, Trinity, Tracy, and Desire were meant to have a three-way match to qualify for the Anarchy in the Asylum gauntlet. But Kid Cash had other ideas. Mm. Oh, God. Right before the match was meant to happen, Kid Cash came out and he was very angry at Trinity, who, once again, we must reiterate, he owns. <laughs> he yes. he owns the contract of Trinity. Trinity, he was he didn't want Trinity in the match. So he handcuffed her and violently dragged her away. Like, just, it was so gross. It's so gross. Like, he wasn't like, you know, the the comical wrestling drag her away. It's like... Get out here. Blah, 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 blah. Very forcefully, like, pushing her to the ground and forcefully dragging her out of the ring. Garrett, you're under... He was throwing knees. Yeah. Like, this wasn't like, oh, I'm dragging you to the back. He was, like, beating the shit out of it. Yeah. It was full-on domestic abuse, yes. Like, and it's it's meant to be read as domestic abuse as well. Yeah. Well, as we'll see when it gets to the wrap of this, where he, after the payoff to the, them having their, like, faux match, he's like, I'm going to kill you. Mm. This isn't, like, the pro-wrestling world storyline shit. This is just really gross, simulated domestic violence. Yeah, so they even had Trinity to have a blood packet in her mouth, which she bit and went all over the place. So it wasn't shoot blood, at least. You were worried about that. It was, it was worked blood. Yeah, because it looked like it could have been. But the, when you see it, because Tracy gets a bunch of it on her leg, and when you see it on Tracy's leg, it does look like overly, like, liquidous to be real blood. Yeah, I don't know. That shit, that shit was made me genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah, because he beat the shit out of her. Not, not good. Like, he legitimately, like, he was very, like, just violently physical with her in a way that is so deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. We talked about the segment where he offered Trinity services to sex. Like, explicit have sex with this woman that I own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cash faces Ron Killings on that same show. This is the May 14th show. Killings wins through interference from the masked luchador. <sighs> Who could it be? Consider, continues to feud with Cash. Cash then has, like, a couple of weird segments. <laughs> so Cash is backstage and Tracy Brooks walks in and with, on him and he's like, she's like, oh, I know a woman's place. You you don't have to tell me. And Cash is like, oh, you do, do you? It's like, oh, yeah. No, and she's like, uh, I, I, I want to be treated like that. And I was like, because I, I think so little of the NWA TNA that I thought that was actually going to be her character. Yes, I 100% thought that was going to be her character too. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, no. Why? Why are you doing this? But in in the rare defense of NWA TNA, once Cash is lured in, Tracy then knees him in the nuts and starts laying boots into him. And puts, like, Ben Gay on his dick. Yeah. Because, like, the whole bit is he's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'll jerk you off. And then he's like, oh, oh no. It does not go well for Kid Cash. So then the following week, Kid Cash is preparing for this match, I think, again. The Trinity Tag Match, yeah. So, or is it, no, it's the last show of the month he does the thing with the nurse, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's that's before the, the singles match. So we should talk about the... Tag. Asylum Alliance Tag Match, then, yes. So, which is Trinity and Kid Cash against Tracy and David Young. And, of course, David Young at this whole point has been doing the uh, will-they-won't-they stuff with Desire, and then he's teaming with Tracy, and Desire's pissed about him teaming with Tracy because Mm. she kind of likes him. And they have this really sweet brawl (laughs) where... Desire hangs off the roof and does a drop kick. Yeah, she like there's the light, the hanging from the ceiling. So he grab, she grabs it with both hands, pulls herself up, and kicks Tracy in the face. It's dope. It's very good. And like the whole time, David Young wants to. Actually, no, sorry, that was the week after, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, this was the the week after. But there's, like I said, there's so many interlocking stories here. Yeah. Okay. Well, do, well they have the match, all right? And then, so, and then the week after, yeah, they have this segment where um. Because I, Tracy wanted to come to the backstage to talk to David Young because they won their match and they wanted to... 
strategize. And so, yep, they go in, they beat up, they go they go to the ring, they start brawling in the ring, David Young comes out and eventually spine busters his tag team partner, Tracy, mm-hmm. for his woman desire. So worth saying that the Young and Tracy match against Cash and Trinity, Young and Tracy win after the mass luchador appears on the screen to distract Kid Cash, allowing Young and Tracy to pick up the victory. With their cool distorted voice. Ah, yes. Definitely a live thing that wasn't at all meant to throw you off thinking that the mass luchador is Trinity, because Trinity, of course, is still in the ring. Yeah, it couldn't be. So then, last show of the month, we have the segment backstage where a nurse walks in while Kid Cash is preparing for his match against the mass luchador. I like over-the-top, like, slutty Halloween nurse. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, do you, we need your checkup before the match, Kid Cash. It's a nude NWA TNA thing. There's actually a, a segment this month where you can see backstage on the wall during a Glingle Birdie promo, there's, like, a note being, like, the do's and don'ts. One of them is, like, do not go near the announce table. I tried to get people on Twitter to translate it for me, but it's quite difficult. It's blurry. Mm. I only could. I only deciphered the word wrestlers. So. <laughs> it is about them we have worked out. <laughs> if we ever get 1080p versions of these shows we'll be able to actually read it it's like Grand Theft Auto remastered you can finally read what all the text is meant to say in the game <laughs> with many 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 typos but yes this nurse is like oh we need to do a check up here Kit Cash before our match and Kit Cash is like Trinity sent you here didn't she yeah he's like I'm not falling for this shit and then she's like yes but he gets kneed in the balls again and hit with a clipboard yeah is this like anyone of note uh, Simply Luscious in Ring of Honor does that ring a bell ah oh, Simply Luscious she went by Veronica here. She was Bo of Steve Carino. There you go. So yeah, she needs Cash in the balls, and then Cash comes out to face the Mass Luchador. Former member of, sorry, former member of, um, fucking Daniel's group. The Ministry. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're the Ring of Honor guy. Why are you saying sure? <laughs> yeah, sure. And then, like, like either on screen or off screen, like, girlfriend of Punk for a bit? And then, like, Punk gets beat up? It's a whole thing. Cool. Every woman that was in Ring of Honor was just dating someone and then getting beaten up to like to uh, further a storyline, which is not entirely dissimilar from the NWA TNA. Yes, not wrong. So Kid Cash comes out nursing his balls as he faces <laughs> the masked luchador, who is revealed to be <gasps> it's Trinity Liam. What the fuck? Even though it was very clearly not Trinity at the beginning. Yes. They have a frankly horrendous match. Why did Trinity fuck over Jerry Lynn and Amazing Red? Yeah, what the fuck, Trinity? Like, she helped Red win the belt from Cash, but then beat up Red. Yeah, Trinity, what's going on? And then for some reason helped, as you said, Red beat Jerry Lynn for reasons. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, this match, really bad. Yeah, awful. Just real disjointed. Uh, Trinity looked really bad here. Maybe it was because she was wrestling in a fucking full bodysuit. Mm. Uh, yeah, oh, just bad. Real bad. Bad, 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 bad. Like, maybe the worst match <laughs> It, it might be. It might be the worst match of Tina's. This match is horrendous. Like, everything they did looked bad. It's the worst Trinity ever looked. Trinity tries to do a moonsault. She completely misses. The crowd wanted to get into this, but every time they did a spot, they were like, oh. Yeah, they literally, they, like, I have never seen a match where they, like, fucked everything up. Like, everything. Yeah. Every single move in this match, they screwed up. Every Rana, every moonsault, everything looked bad. And it's the worst Trinity's looked. It's the worst Kid Cash has looked. And, like, Trinity's look good in these situations. If you remember the triple threat with Trinity, Red, and Cash, that ruled. Yeah. Every time she appeared in the multi-man stuff, she's pretty great. Even in the singles match. Was it Desire or Alexis? She might have wrestled both. It was Alexis. I think it was Alexis that was the one I'm referring to. Even in the singles match, like, that shit was great after they had a really wonky tag match. Oh, yeah, and she did that cool kick and she did the standing shooting star. Yeah. And then she has this match with Cash, which is the blow-off to their big feud. And it just, it stinks. It's horrific. 
Is it the blow-off? Because Cash wins. He sure does. He wins this match. Even though he was needing the balls right before the match. You can't do it, you You can't do a domestic abuse storyline and then have the guy win. It's like WrestleMania in 2003 all over again, where you do the big racist story and then the racist wins. Thus proving the point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Cash wins and then is like, I'm going to kill you. Yep. (laughs) Which is like, oh, great. The happy ending we all wanted to this story. It might continue next month. I don't remember. Maybe it does. Awful, 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 awful. The story has been going for like three months now and I do want it to be over. (laughs) I wanted it to be over from the minute... Cash started kneeing her in the head. I wanted to be over much earlier than that, to be fair, but <sighs> then we would have never gotten the knee in the head match or moment. It's all rough. All right, so the next match in the Asylum Alliance tournament stems from the main event of which of these shows? The NWATNA pay per view number 45. Seven. <laughs> Five. <laughs> which is the May 14th show, which was headlined... I, I just guessed to try and give you the answer. Oh, I'm wrong too. It's not. It's 46. It's the May 21st show, which is headlined by yeah. a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match between the Siaki and Sandman. This is the stupidest match I've ever seen in my life. Which, that match stems, of course, if you remember, we mentioned the, um, the peace offering segment that went wrong, so now they're wrestling in the main event. Yeah, so Raven is the special referee. The what was it? The purveyor of violence, the... something like that. Chairman of violence, man who oversees violence, violent man, the perpetuator of violence, or something. Head of violence, violence dude, the violence I artist, violence chief, the violence violinist. Why am I so violent? Um, oh fuck! Violence unlimited. Violent violence by design. Oh, there's so many violences. <laughs> But yes, Siaki and Salmon have a frankly extremely boring match. It's pretty bad. But like, they jump into things, which is neat. But it's really like, it's the finish here that means anything. Yeah, so there's a story running through the show where Siaki goes to Raven and he's like, yo, Raven, we're pals, right? We're buds. We're both in sex. We're pals. You're gonna help me, right? You don't like these extreme guys. After like, being like, kicking him around and shit, it's like, he's clearly not gonna be on your side. You're being very mean to him. So so when Raven is there, he's he's indifferent to the majority of the match while Siaki and Sandman beat the shit out of each other. Raven is just sitting in his corner. Raven eventually gets up. He DDT Siaki. He DDT Sandman. The match is declared a no contest? Well, because there's no ref. That's true. So all of the sex people come out, all of the extreme people come out, there's a big brawl. Raven just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> he goes hunting for Jeff Jarrett. So, like, the whole point here is, it's like, this is them firmly establishing that Raven is by himself. Yeah, so he walks out, he goes looking for Jeff Jarrett, but he doesn't find Jeff Jarrett, Liam. He finds the Amazing Red. Who he beat up earlier in the show as a part of his, like... I'm beating up everyone until Jarrett's here. Yeah, Raven is doing this thing where until he gets his match against Jarrett, he's going to kill everybody that comes across his path. He kills Red. He also kills Jeremy Borash on one of these shows. Which I wonder if they did so that they could give Mortimer Plumtree his last out there doing stuff role. Oh, yeah, which would be a nice little thing. Just because, yeah, Mortimer Plumtree takes over the ring announcing. And actually, he does really well there. He's a good announcer. But not even the, the announcing. But like he sells it like, I don't know the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, he looks legitimately flustered. He's like reading the words. Even the way he does the ring announcing at first, he's like uncertain of himself. He's like reading the names. More poetry. Really good performance there in a very small little role. Yeah, so uh, to me that seemed like they wanted to give him one more time out there in the limelight. So yeah, Red jumps Raven after he got jumped earlier in the show. He, Raven is backstage like wandering around the car park being like, Jarrett, where are you? <laughs> Jarrett, where are you, Jarrett? And then Red just flies out of nowhere from behind, like, a building. 
I was like, who the fuck? You know who I thought it was? I thought it was Alexis. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Glenn really got in their heads. No, it's the Amazing Red dressed in his Rivera Steakhouse jacket and his gigantic jeans. He came straight from Japan. He did. He hit a hurricane round, even though he was beat up earlier in the show. But don't, don't worry about it. But he, then he went to Japan and he came back. He hit a hurricane round onto Raven. He started throwing punches. He's beating the hell out of Raven. He brawled all the way back to ringside. He put Raven on a table. He hit a big swanton bomb. Table didn't break. Really cute moment here where he like he's like oh fuck and he goes up to Raven and you can and you can he- see him go like should I do it again <laughs> and Raven goes yeah. <laughs> So he goes up top again, hits another swanton. This time the table does break. And it's Red's, like, big breakout moment, even though I don't think it really goes anywhere. It seems cool, but it's like, Raven just, like, lost to Jarrett and lost to Glenn Grimaldi. You know who he's beaten. <laughs> Fun fact, this spot that Red filled there was meant to be filled by Sean Waltman. Yeah. Sean Waltman was scheduled to return to the company on May 21st, but no showed. The plan was for Waltman to make a surprise return by attacking Raven at the end of the show. However, Waltman told TNA officials that he missed his flight and was unable to appear as scheduled. The word going around backstage was that Raven suggested Red as the Waltman's replacement. Cool. Of course, the big problem is the reason it goes nowhere is Red is on tour in Japan for the next three weeks. So they did this big angle where Red beats the shit out of Raven and then Red disappears. Hey man, you can come back and do it again now. But Raven's a face now, so... Yeah, and Red only did the angle because Sean Waltman was meant to do it and he no-showed. Good stuff. The wonders of NWA TNA. So the important part there is Siaki Sandman at odds. We went in multiple different directions. This is a very splintery episode. This week is so hard to keep track of. This month. So that leads us to the Asylum Alliance match in which Sandman and Siaki face the mystery team, Liam, which turns out to be the returning BG James. He looks like shit. Teaming with Conan. It's the three live crew. (laughs) Beware. This mother is a bad jam. It's the remix. So yeah, this is this is the beginning of 3LK, because later in the show is when Conan and Killings attack the Harris Bros. This is, we're seeing the foundation of 3 Live Crew right here, Liam. Well, we'd already seen the foundation, because they'd already teamed up Conan and Killings. Yeah, but they didn't have the third guy. Yeah, but the third guy's the worst guy. <laughs> oh, I'm so upset. I was so upset when I heard his stupid intro song. Mm. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. <sighs> I went, Egh. So you have BG after months being away because he quit because his dad didn't get the pay rise, which is actually a, a note. Mike Tanay on commentary is like, Bob Armstrong stepped away. He asked for time off. It's like, no, he didn't. He asked for a pay rise and he left because you didn't give it to him. Which is fair. He asked for 50 bucks a week and he didn't give it to him. Yeah, well, he should ask for another 50 so they can get rid of him again. No, from the PW Torch, BG, BG James was brought back because company officials believe the show lacks star power. Although James walked out with his brother in protest of their father not receiving the 50 buck pay rise he asked for. Run out of star power. Let's bring back fucking BG James, who got zero reaction this entire time because he stinks. James has been sending feelers to TNA for a while now. I will say this show, or this month even, is the first month that doesn't really have any surprises. Yeah. Like, you, uh, you have a couple people coming back, like BG. You were supposed to, though. You're supposed to have, like, Sean Waltman and stuff. And... But even Waltman's a guy who's already been there. He had the SAT. Yeah, like, every month for, like, the last, I don't know, six months, we've had, like, oh, here's the seven people who debuted this month. And this month, there's nobody. Where the fuck's Dusty? Yeah, no Dusty. It's a Dustyless month. Ugh. It's wonder- no wonder the month was bad. Yeah, it's a very bad month because there's not even like, oh, you know, this random person from 30 years ago showed up. None of that. It's just you get a couple of returns and that's about it. Yeah. But yes, the team of BG Games and Conan defeats the team of Sandman and Siaki to advance in the Asylum Alliance tournament. Blech. And then the last Asylum Alliance match of the month, Jerry Lynn and Justin Credible face America's Most Wanted. <laughs> we have to some, some scene we setting have to America's do. America's Most Gunted. 
So AMW are continuing their breakup this month, but they get back. <laughs> just and... ignoring that. You're just like, fuck, giving that even a second of thought. It wasn't even a pun. It wasn't even wordplay. It's just, no, it's nothing. <laughs> I, just, I just put the word gun in there. That's not how wordplay works. Savings in it. So AMW back on the same page after like they wrestle each other on the first show of the month in a nice little match, but it's nothing special for for the right to enter the Anarchy in the Asylum match. Storm wins. They tease Dissension. Harris teases walking out, but he runs back. He gives James Storm a hug. He shakes hands. They're very happy. They're back together on the same page. And we all went, woo! Wait, you forgot there was Dissension in the the main event, though. Was there? Yeah, because they had the run-in and then... Harris came in to save it, but ended up getting Storm eliminated inadvertently. Oh, yeah. And then Storm was like, what the fuck, man? And they were back off the same page. Yeah, so it lasted about, like, 40 minutes. So the next show, Harris is like, I'm going to get back on track by praising David Young. During the match, Sex tried to interfere. Storm runs out, runs off Sex, but Storm gets trapped in the Sex locker room and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. But Harris does defeat David Young, so he's back on track. It's a decent little match. Yeah, nice little... And, like, David Young's a good wrestler. Harris is a good wrestler. I did like when Storm, like, wanders bloody and beaten out of the sex locker room. Harris is like, what are you doing standing there? Go get help! <laughs> He's a concerned friend. It's like, my tag team partner's been beat up. I like how they, they clearly realized that they made Harris look like shit mm. <laughs> during this whole thing by making him a jerk who was hanging out with the bad guys. So they're like, oh, we have to make sure, like, overly make sure, like, this guy's nice. He's helping his friend again. So, third show of the month, there is the AMW against Styles and D'Lo match for the right to get in the Asylum Alliance tournament. Yeah, which was awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, a match that seems very good on paper, but it ended up being one of those babyface against babyface matches that just has no heat. Yeah, this is, and this might be, like, even the worst Styles-D'Lo match. Because, mm, listen, we'll talk about tag teams in a second, even though we're, like, bouncing around everywhere. But, yeah, Styles and D'Lo had a good month, other than this AMW match, which was a disappointment. I love Styles and D'Lo together. Styles and D'Lo is like such a wonderful pairing. And I'm so upset we didn't get more of it. I, I was thinking during this month, man, Styles and D'Lo's together and D'Lo together might be my favorite thing that Styles has done so far. Really? Better than like the early Jerry Lynn and Loki matches? Yeah. I really love them together. They're very good because they have a match on every one of these shows. Maybe because they're like, we only know that we're going to get them for like four matches. Yeah, so. so we have to run through everything they can do. So yeah, we'll pivot to Styles and D'Lo before we come back to whatever the hell we're AMW. So Styles and D'Lo, on the first show of the month, they face Skipper and Loki for the right to get into the Asylum and uh, Anarchy in the Asylum match. I will get the name of that match right someday. <laughs> no, it's fine. So D'Lo and Styles win that match. Good little match. Yeah, I thought it was fun as hell. And then the following week, because they beat Triple X, they get a tag title shot against Triple X, but this time it's the team of Daniels and Skipper in a match that I, even though I actually gave the same rating to now that I look at the star ratings, I, I, I preferred that. I thought that Stars and D'Lo against uh, Daniels and Skipper match was a really good match. Mm. I, they all banged. They're a very good team. I, I think I'm finally coming around on Skipper. Because, like, I always liked him. But I was always kind of disappointed when it was him instead of Key or Daniels. Mm, and it's actually interesting. There's a note this month that's like, Elix Skipper is being heralded by many in TNA as the company's most improved wrestler. One wrestler who worked with Skipper recently commented, he'll get there, but he's still some time to put in. That said, he's better than most other young X-Division wrestlers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to see that too, I guess, a bit. Because to me, this month I was like, oh, I'm getting it. I'm understanding it. And it, it's a commentary note that they're really pushing. They're like, oh, Elix Skipper, this guy's really coming into his own. And it's true. They're right. Then, third show of the month, as we were mentioning, they, you get the AMW against Styles and D'Lo match, which was a little on the disappointing side. Yeah. And then, honestly, my favorite of the matches this month was CM Punk and Jason Cross against AJ Styles and D'Lo Brown. This 
is my favorite match this month. And it's only like, it's like a six minute tag match. But it is so good. I think I only went three and a half, but I was like, man, three and three quarters isn't far off either. This shit's really good. Yeah, because D'Lo and Styles are on like full like form. They've really gelled as a team. They're hitting a bunch of cool double teams. You get the fun like CM Punk AJ interactions, which is I think the only time they interact in TNA. I remember like this was the the month where I was like, oh man, Punk, Styles, London, Red. If only there was a good company where I could watch all of these people. <laughs> yes, it's the NWA TNA. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, true. So yeah, D'Lo and Styles have this great match, and the finish of this match is just sensational. So Styles goes out yeah. to the apron, D'Lo goes out on it, goes up top, D'Lo hits the low down, Styles hits a springboard 450, and they land at the exact same time. It's perfect. It's so it's good. Perfect. It's so perfect. It couldn't be more perfect. Like, the timing is just so picture perfect. Do you see them land at the exact same time? It's so good. I love it. If I was... Gabe at this time, and obviously this doesn't go any further on Ender Tina. I would have brought D'Lo in and paired him up with Styles. Yeah, the, the post match of this segment, this segment, so upset me. <laughs> and well, it upset the crowd. The crowd were pissed because D'Lo and AJ looked so good in this match. It's the best they've looked in TNA so far. Like they're really firing in all cylinders as this great babyface tag team. Even the stuff with like AJ even looked, I think maybe his best here too. Mm. He was firing on all cylinders as like just him and his interactions with Cross, where he was like pelting him with these big shots and he came in with that big lariat and just turned him inside out. AJ looked so great here too. Maybe the most, maybe the smoothest I've seen AJ recently too. Because he kind of had like those wobbly matches because he had Gilberti and stuff to work with. But now he's like firing on all cylinders again. You want to know why AJ looked so good? Why? They just let him be himself <gasps> and a baby face. Shots. He's not turning every week. He's not trying to do a heat segment. He's just being AJ Styles doing cool shit. Yeah. So yeah, after this match, D'Lo gets on the microphone and he's like, AJ, we're in a, an opening tag match this week and there's only one reason for that. We're being held down by Jeff Jarrett. Which is the, the new running show long theme, which I guess is going to be really fun when Russo starts cutting promos again. So Jarrett's holding all these young guys down and D'Lo's like, I've been around wrestling long enough and I know Jeff Jarrett is the game. Triple J, Triple J. The crowd do triple chant Triple J. J which is actually a radio station here. And I was like, man, the Australian pandering has gone too far. Is it a good radio station? It's, yeah, it's probably the best radio station. D'Lo cuts this problem and he's like, you and I, were a great team, but we don't want to be a team, do we? We want to be single stars. We want to be champions. <laughs> and the crowd goes, boo. Yeah, because they had this great match and they're such a good team. And now they're here. They're agreeing to go their separate ways mutually. I was so mad. I was like, oh, they've literally just reached their peak as a team because they were good in all the other matches, but they were great here. And to see them break up immediately after they look their best. It's depressing. It's so mad. I was so mad. Which is why I think the the angle also fell quite flat. Because we do get get a lot of AJ Styles and D'Lo feuding after this, but no more teaming. Devastating. It does make me quite sad. It's very disappointing. (sighs) Which brings us back to AMW. So AMW defeated Styles and D'Lo for the right to get into the Asylum Alliance Tag Team Tournament. But James Storm is injured, so he won't be on the last show of the month. Was he actually injured? I don't know. Because, like, they did the angle where he got the beat, hell beat out of him by sex. But then he was in the match against Styles and Dilo the next week. But then he was gone again. It was very weird. And it was weird also storyline-wise. So Glenn Gilberti demanded to see Chris Harris. Glenn met with Chris Harris and he's like, James Storm's not here, but I got a partner for you. It's Chris Saban. This is a, f- a fun part of that where it's like, 
He's like, tells the Harris brothers to go get Chris Harris and they just go drink beer in the parking lot and get beat up. They're like, we can't find him. It's too hard. <laughs> they don't try. <laughs> they don't care. So Saban substitutes for Storm and we get the match of Chris Saban and Chris Harris against Jerry Lynn and Justin Credible. Wow, the two Genetti's teaming up. Uh, how dare you? How? <laughs> I said that just to annoy you. How dare you? You have never said anything that's ever upset me more than that. <laughs> I think I, I think I have to cancel our podcast for that. I just to end the show. <laughs> Cannot have this Chris Saban slander. I refuse to accept it. First, you tried to suggest that Chris Saban was the reason that the fans didn't show up, and now you are suggesting that he is the Genetti of the Motor City Machine Guns. And I have never been angrier. As you cackle, you cackle with glee at my pain and my suffering. You, your Chris Saban slander, your Chris Saban dragging him through the mud. He's the best wrestler of all time, and you're you're disrespecting him i think that's gonna be my gimmick throughout this podcast is that i'm just gonna be like unnecessarily critical of chris saban this will make me very angry and please don't do it <sighs> especially on this the big chris saban month talk, to talk about chris saban briefly i was so surprised that they, they strapped him up immediately well like amazing red started this month with two belts and very quickly had none well, let's talk. Well, we didn't really talk about the actual title change. Yeah, there's two other things we didn't get to, which is well, we're on tag teams, so we'll start with tag teams. Okay, we'll fin- we'll finish this up and then they both involve Amazing Red. So, cool. So Amazing Red and Jerry Lynn defend the World Tag Team Titles against Christopher Daniels in a handicap match on the very first show of the month. If you remember, there was that match on the last show of last month where they won the right to face Daniels in a handicap match. But we have the new Jerry Lynn Liam. What's different about the new Jerry Lynn? Not a lot. Well, it's regular Jerry Lynn, except seemingly 100% stupider. Yeah, and also like kind of a heel for two weeks and then back to being a babyface. Which is very traditional TNA. So Daniels has this handicap match against Lynn and Red, where Lynn snaps, uses a chair, gets disqualified, and we have the first instance in TNA history, Liam, of the belts changing hands on a disqualification. I kind of like it, though. Uh, Well, I would ideally not like... One man beating two men by disqualification to win tag titles. That's like the most TNA finish imaginable. It's kind of funny though, isn't it? It's very TNA. So Daniels won the tag titles in a handicap match by disqualification. Good stuff. I do like they put over like Triple X as these guys who lost the tag titles and then won them straight back. You know, there's the, there's the, they've done it twice now where they've been stripped of the titles, won them straight back. They lost them to Lynn Red, won them straight back. They've never lost other than one match against Lynn Red. So there's a team who the titles just always come back to. And then the other, the new Jerry Lynn shooting himself in the foot thing of the month. Amazing Red against Chris Saban is the match for the X Division title on the May 14th show. And Jerry Lynn demands he be added to the match. And Chris Saban's like, that's a very bad idea. <laughs> knowing that in fact because it's a triple threat match his sex interference will go down much easier he's like I don't even have to hide it anymore so Jerry Lynn gets himself added to the match it's red against Saban against Jerry Lynn and Chris Saban with the help of Triple X at ringside as he joins Sports Entertainment Extreme wins the X Division Championship very good month the best thing that could ever happen in TNA history Chris Saban out in his like third match is X Division Champion they clearly uh, saw something in this guy, huh? They were right. Even though he did that dive where he nearly died, he's been great. <laughs> so those are the, the last two like notes from the tag and X Division. Two title changes, both pretty underwhelming. But actually, no, the Red and Lynn and Saban match was actually pretty good. Well, just um, one more slide X Division note is that Paul London, number one contender, which means hopefully I get a singles Chris Saban-Paul London match. Yeah, the May 21st show, Paul London defeated CM Punk, Jason Cross, and Kid Romeo to become number one contender. It was the return of CM Punk and the return of Paul London. And the return of Kid Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> but it returns. Many X-Division people showing back up here. But yeah, good little match as well. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that singles. Actually, that match most notable for seeing CM Punk try to do the Activision style. Yeah, CM Punk is just completely miscast in this company so far. Yeah, it's not that he couldn't do it, but it's certainly not what he's best at. It's like, he also hasn't spoken a word on screen. Well, he's he hasn't been around since September, to be fair. But you know what I mean, like... Saban was here for two weeks and they're like, here, have a promo. Well, and have a belt. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, I'm really looking forward to London and Saban. Indeed. That's like our guys wrestling each other. Uh, yes. Who will win? The two Genettis of their respective tag teams, I think you would suggest. Sure. Uh, I was like, who the fuck is Paul London in a tag team? Oh, Generico, obviously. Yes, of course. So that brings us all the way back to Chris Saban and Chris Harris against Jerry Lynn and Justin Credible. My biggest issue with this match... It's on commentary they were putting over, over and over again, how Harris and Saban were this great team. And like, no, they were boring as shit. I guess their idea was like, <laughs> they did a couple tag moves. It's like, how did they think of them? <laughs> they only just met. And like, they had complete control of the match. They were like dominating the match, but the match was really boring. Yeah, but they were a good tag team because they were winning. This match did stink. Though. Yeah, it was just boring. They just did nothing. And then Harris and Saban won. I didn't like the other team either. Well, they weren't meant to, I suppose. They weren't meant to, like, Credible and Lynn, because they immediately turned on each other after the match. Ah, the lamest pull-apart brawl I think I've ever seen in my life. I I like that angle. I thought it was a nice little angle. Yeah, but it's just Incredible and Jerry Lynn. You don't know their history. They're longtime rivals. Yeah, but it's just Incredible and Jerry Lynn. And they were mentioning that, like, this is the first time they've teamed, two guys who had, like, feuds over the ECW title, and now they're teaming together, and obviously the tensions rose back up to the surface, and they beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, but it's just Incredible. Yeah. You really hate Justin Credible. <laughs> he's just... Yeah, he's, uh, uh, yeah, I think I... I don't know. He's just... I don't like him. I just don't like... It's not even I don't like him. It's... I couldn't possibly care about him. Well, see, the, like, the, I, th- I think they have a good little program together. We'll see that they win the over. All right. Maybe they'll have some good matches and I'll be like, okay. I'm and in. now the new Jerry Lynn is gone. We're back to regular Jerry Lynn. <laughs> is that why he does the cradle, like, tombstone? Yeah, it's a play on... It's the reverse of Jerry Lynn. Ah, that's cool. Because they're rivals. I didn't know that. ECW isn't a real company. And the very last thing we have to talk about is the Hard 10. Yes, the thing I'm most excited to talk about. Let's talk about Mike Sanders' Hard 10. Yeah, we got two Hard 10 matches this month. We get Mike Sanders facing Brian Lee, or the Underfaker, as he calls him. <laughs> yes, good Brian bit. Lee played uh, a fake Undertaker in WWE at one stage. So I, I don't much care for the Hard 10 matches. They're just weapon shots and a table bump. Uh, we had one that we really disagreed on. Yeah, so we get the Sanders and Lee match where they go back and forth, back and forth, where Lee eventually has a 8-5 lead through a series of weapon yeah. shots, but then Sanders dumps him through a table. Actually, no, Brian Lee dumps himself through a table, and Sanders wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good little story, I thought. Yeah, they make it very clear that if you put yourself through a table, your opponent still gets the five points, and Sanders got the five points and wins! I like that Lee had the advantage most of the time, and Sanders kind of, like, just wormed his way into the win. Mm. And then the other hard 10 match of the month was New Jack against Slash. I really enjoyed this. So yeah, they, they weapon, weapon shot, weapon shot, weapon shot, weapon shot. They went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until they were 13-13. <laughs> if you remember, they have to win by two straight points and eventually New Jack put Slash to the table. One. Yeah. I really loved the exchange because it was like a forearm exchange, but with weapon shots. Yeah. And I was like, this rules. Just building up the points, building up the points. Yeah, that's the hard 10. There's not much more to say about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a plunder matches. But at least they have, like, a reason now for having them. And it is the legacy of the Duff Cup, because it's a very scaled-back version of the Duff Cup's point scoring. Mm-hmm. All right, we covered most of it, but let's very quickly go show by show and get get home. It's time to talk about 
Eric Watts. Oh, we didn't <laughs> do Watts. This is the song that we do when we talk about Eric Watts. So Eric Watts basically has one story through this month. He is teasing the debut of the new authority figure, who whom he is... That's not the one story I care about. Oh, well, yeah, there's the one at the end as well, I guess. Who he is referring to as the Eric from WCW. <laughs> so stupid. I love it so much. <laughs> Every time he says Eric from WCW, I roll my eyes. He's like, you know, the Eric from WCW. And I'm like, what is the payoff here? Because it's not Eric Bischoff. And like, yeah, the, the whole thing is Eric Bischoff is current Raw general manager. He's on WWE television at the moment. And everyone's like, you know he's contracted to another company, right? Yeah, Goldie says that. And, and Watts is like, oh, don't you worry. Eric from WCW is showing up. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, you know, he just completely changes the subject on it. But that's later on. The, the reason they're teasing this is because they want to bring in Bill Watts. Oh, you know, Eric. Yeah, they want to bring in Eric's dad to be, like, the new director of authority, but it never worked out. Uh, why is his name Eric? Who knows? Eric Watts, his, his brain works in mysterious ways. <laughs> it sure does. I don't remember where this goes, but I assume it's Eric Watts just talking about himself, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what my guess was. So, yeah, he does multiple of those promos through the, the month where he's like, Eric's from WCW, Eric from WCW. Then... Goldilocks. He seduces it. He does. And it works! It did. He's like Glengle Bertie for women. He's like, she's, she's smitten. So yeah, the, Goldilocks is doing an interview with somebody I don't even remember. And when the, the interview is over, Eric Watts just walks up and like whispers in his ear. He's basically like, you want some of this? And she's like, yeah. This was like the third time. Uh, because they had already had the interview together. Mm-hmm. Where it was insinuated that he was like, hey, come back to that. And then we find out in the second um, Eric from WCW angle that she did, in fact, go back and... <laughs> because she left her shoes at his place. Ah, uh, yes. Which he gallantly brought back. In the first episode during the watch long, I was very like... You can hear me being like fully taken aback by the fact... I was like, she was into it! Because <laughs> I, I just expected this to be like another, you know, AJ Styles creeping on Goldilocks promo that doesn't go anywhere. But I was like, oh, she was actually... She was vibing with it. And then as we found out, she did vibe with it. Uh, yeah, he gives back the shoes later on. And then we get this <laughs> real weird one <laughs> backstage with them where they cut back and he's just... They're just macking on each other. <laughs> And then they, for some reason, this is like, is this the first iteration of we're going to ignore the camera of filming us? Or they just don't care. Yeah. But no, because Gordy was talking about how, like, it, she doesn't want to go, like, public because it's embarrassing to be with a wrestler. Yeah, and she's like, you, uh, you, I don't want to be with you. Uh, I'm worried about being with you. And he's like, why? It's like, because you're a wrestler. And he's like, oh, don't you worry about that. He's also like, she's like, you're also insane. <laughs> like, you, you're... Fully crazy. Later in the show, Watts does this weird-ass promo for, like, Raven and Gilberti. <laughs> yeah, so then there's this other point, right, where seemingly Watts has given her the dick so good that she needs to sit down for a while because he takes her job. So he's given, like, the big hype <laughs> pitch. He's talking about the main event, Gilberti, uh, Raven, how it's going to be a big match. And then it just cut to Raven sitting next to him. He's like, what the fuck is this dude doing? And he sits down next to Raven, and Raven echoes my thoughts entirely of, like, listen... <laughs> I should rip your skull off and piss in it, but I enjoy you. <laughs> I find you funny. <laughs> and then Watts gets all serious and they have a big serious back and forth about it. Mm. So I, again, I obviously love this. This has been, a, this is a tremendous storyline. They're clearly the big will they, won't they with Goldie and Eric Watts. It's no will they, won't they? They did multiple times throughout but the month. Goldie is still on the fence, Liam. He's a wrestler. Yeah. The problem is, will they 
make it official. Mm. But, you know, Goldie banging Eric Watts wasn't the biggest mistake of her month. No, that was the segment that aired on NWA TNA pay-per-view number 46. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. It's funny, both the PW Torch and Wrestling Observer are like, this segment with Goldilocks is one of the worst segments that has aired on television in as long as we can remember. <laughs> I knew it was bad as soon as Don West pitched it by saying, oh, for those who are a fan of Jackass or The Man Show, and I was like, no, no, this can't be good. <laughs> so they cut to this Goldilocks video, and Goldilocks is in a, a in the city, she's outside the store, and she's like, yo, my phone's broken, so I need to go get a new phone. And you're like, okay. Okay, where's this going, Goldilocks? I thought for a second she was, like, an extra on a jackass kit or something, and that's where this was going. Yeah, it's very strange. So Goldilocks goes into the store, where there is a person there, just like, hey, how can I help you? And Goldilocks improving in the, the worst improv I've ever seen in my life. It's it's so bad. <sighs> was this all a work? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Because that guy didn't look like a real guy who would... Because like, he would call for cops. <laughs> He'd be like, what the fuck is happening? This woman's insane. It was meant to be filmed like candid camera style, but like the camera angle moved multiple times. So also this, th- this thoroughly explains why she's with Eric. <laughs> she's also bad shit. So yeah, she's standing there talking to the, the, the person in the shop being like, hey, my phone's broken. Can you fix it? It's broken. See, it's broken. I push the buttons and nothing happens. It's broken. Then he hand, she hands the phone to him, he looks at it, she takes it back and is like, you know, I need the phone to make phone calls and whatnot. That's what phones do, they make phone calls. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know what phones do. I work in a phone store. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm double parked outside, to which he responds, that's illegal. <laughs> Great line. And she's like, I know, thank you very much. Uh, and then he's, she's like, can, can, can you help me? Can you fix my phone? And he responds, No. And then she begins to go, like, ahead of her time, to be fair. This is 2003, but she has a full Karen meltdown right there in the store. (laughs) And this guy's like, what is happening? So she starts freaking out. She starts shouting at him. She's like, I just need to make a call. I need to use my phone. And she starts shouting at him. And she starts trashing the store. And she starts breaking things. And she starts putting on her giant fur coat. And I don't know why this aired on the wrestling show. It's it's really, like, this felt like an Eric Watts promo. In how completely chaotic it was. It's like, it's just completely unhinged. Like, everything about it, from the way it was shot, the way it was performed. And it went for, like, five minutes. Three and a half, because I tried to clip the whole thing for oh. Twitter, and then I realized it's way too long to clip the whole thing for Twitter. We may have to, we may have to like, post it in, like, just a two a twofer or something, because it needs to be seen. It is just the strangest. Like, I have no idea why this was on the wrestling. Actually, I do. Goldilocks pitched it. Backstage news. Goldilocks came up with the idea for her cell phone show vignette, which numerous wrestlers and fans have ranked among the worst segments in wrestling history. Including two people who currently are hosting a podcast. (laughs) At least one TNA source believes the vignette was either Goldilocks' TNA audition tape, or something like it, as the person had actually watched a a similar tape a few months ago. Listen, they went, again, we talk about TNA people arguing in public about things. They did it again about this segment. Goldilocks actually defended the segment during an appearance on The Voice of Wrestling. Different Voice of Wrestling. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, what, what, what? wait a minute. Yes, us. She appeared here. 
Goldilocks, please come on the podcast and talk about this segment. Bob Ryder, TNA's head of talent relations, was on the show prior to Goldie, and he said he didn't think the segment served any purpose. When Goldie joined the show, she respectfully disagreed with Ryder's take on the segment, saying she she felt the only problems were that it wasn't set up well and that it lasted too long. Well, that that is correct. <laughs> wrestlers weren't surprised to hear that Goldie had come up with the idea. The big question among the wrestlers were which member of management approved it and why. I mean, that's a, that's a Russo like dream right there because like this aired in may 2003 only two months after punked has started on mtv and it does feel like a very like horrible vince russo brained version of a punked skit i hated it i, I truly like this i, I really that I, I i really hated it because i hate like real real time cringe prank show things like i hate them i hate them so much and this was like the worst one I've ever seen of them. But even like Don West, as you said, when he pitched it, he was like, it's like Mad TV or Jackass. It's like, no, it's nothing like those things. Excuse me, he said the man show. Please don't don't uh, bury Mad TV with the the affiliation. And I'm like, what? What? What are you doing? Why did you do this? Why does it exist? Why was it on this wrestling show? And like, think about this. This wasn't live. <laughs> this was pre-taped and pre-produced and people saw it and watched it and still put it on the wrestling show. No one thought to trim it? <laughs> entirely. Entirely trim it. Cut it all together, perhaps. Well, yes. But, like, even if you were, like, dead... Like, Goldie has something that she's going to sue you over if you don't play this thing. Like, you couldn't cut it down? But if you watch it, it is cut down. Imagine, though, oh, I'll release the Goldie cut. The full thing. Which is probably, like... Because it, it's edited down to, like, three and a half. There's some, like, hard cuts. It's probably, like, the full thing might be, like, five, six, seven minutes. Yeah, we have to post this in some manner. People need to see this. Yeah, I posted it to my. I posted, posted like a cut down version to my Twitter yesterday. Or retweeted it. Take a look shoots. at it because it's it's unhinged. It's just completely unhinged. It's insane. It's it's terrifying. Oh dear, dearie me! And like, like, and like, Goldie's a, a fave of the show. Mm-hmm. So please, like, <laughs> fix your shit. This is what this is what the this is this is what that Eric Watchdick does. <laughs> Transfers the crazy. Clearly passes the, the the deranged Eric Watts lore. Oh, just I feel ill thinking about it. <laughs> it's it's so strange. I, as I said, why did the people put it on the television show? You saw it. You looked at it. <laughs> why? She must have had like something in her contract. She's like one year in. I need to have one segment that I can put on TV. Oh, and it, yeah. It ended with this like girl power rock song that Goldie performs. <laughs> Which played over the second half of it. And actually, I, I couldn't listen close enough to determine this. But I'm pretty sure the instrumental of that versus Goldie song is the AMW theme. Not the current one, the one that they would more famously have. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, this is on NWTNA pay-per-view number 46, May 21st. It's worth seeing in its entirety just to, to just to take it all in. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's go show by show as we take the show home. I don't think there's much else to cover, but May 7th, 2003, NWTNA baby number 44 from the Asylum, 1100 there, 450, 500 paid. My only note, I think, from this show, which is the show we did for the watch along, by the way, it's at tnachad.com right now if you'd like to hear our full thoughts on the show, is 
Maitane and Don West's intergender wrestling debate. Maitane was like, oh, Tracy has no place in this gauntlet. She doesn't deserve to be here. Don's like, you know what? Maybe she does. But then when she got her ass kicked in the gauntlet, Don was like, no, no, she doesn't. Yeah. They're like, oh, Don's like, maybe, yeah, come on, you know, there's women in the PGA now. <laughs> and then... She loses and Don's like, well, I guess that proves the point. Women shouldn't be in this match. And that now imagine that exact uh, point of view for the rest of the month. Because they do the exact same thing during the tag. They just don't have the argument about it. They do have... They, I mean, they, no, sorry, there's no argument because they're both on the same side of women shouldn't be in the match. Listen, based on the way Kid Cash beat up Trinity, maybe they're right. To be fair, within the universe of TNA, they've already set up how unrealistic apparently it is for a woman to ever win because... She got real beat up and then she lost in the match where he came in injured. So if you've ever seen any intergender wrestling debate on Twitter, it was basically that on commentary. And then we're the side where like women shouldn't compete against men won. David Young did a sweet pop-up cutter in whatever match he had on the second show. Oh no, that's the, the second show. I, again, I don't have notes for our watch-along show. It's very upsetting. David Young does a lot of cool shit. David Young, good wrestler. If only he had charisma. And didn't whine. Uh, NWA TNA pay-per-view number 45, May 13th, from the TNA Asylum. 800 people only there, heavily papered. There's a lot of, like, backstage notes here. <laughs> yeah, let's go. That we didn't cover. Let's start with Scott Demore wasn't there. He was in uh, World Wrestling All-Stars Tour. So the person they got to fill in for the agent role was Ray Lloyd, better known as Glacier. AEW star. Was Glacier in AEW? Yeah, he did the Battle Royal, the Casino Battle Royal. Did he? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. It may have been the old... The old out the all in one so he, he might have been proto aw ah, glacier very happy to see him get some work here in tna you know i don't think he ever appeared on screen nope, double double or nothing i don't remember glacier doing that at all i don't double or nothing 2019 how do apparently. i not remember the glacier aw appearance yeah because he was on um remember when they were doing like the road Two style stuff where they were announcing people mm. yeah glacier was one of them it's very upsetting that I don't remember this. <laughs> Wait, can I read you this Reddit post? Sure, I have to go watch this Glacier moment after we finish recording. Should watch together. Glacier? Really? <laughs> there goes AEW not getting has-beens. Oh, God. People <laughs> suck. People are so boring. Like, you probably saw people do the same thing when the demon showed up in the Collier Shock Gauntlet about Twitter. It's like, no, it's the rules. It's the demon. <laughs> oh, dear. That's really funny to be like, that they announced that Glacier's going to be a Battle Royal participant and they're like, oh, there we go. I guess, you know, <laughs> there goes the music not using has been talent. AEW over. Cancelled before it begins. Glacier's here. Oh, Reddit. That was on the official AEW Reddit, by the way. How dare they leave that there? They should take it down. I don't want any Glacier disrespect. <sighs> so the May 14th show consisted mostly of Vince Russo's material as Jeff Jarrett did far less editing than he had in recent reads. Shock of all shocks that, um... Only 800 people showed up then. The word in the locker room is that Jared <laughs> added a few more segments involving disco for reasons beyond comprehension. See, I told you Jeff's into this shit. That's why he's so irredeemable. It's like, I want him to be fighting it, but he clearly loves it. He's, it's the Judas in his mind. <laughs> Judas in his workplace. That's true too. We'll get to that in a second. And may have pulled Mike Barton from the show. He was scheduled to do a run-in during Gilbert and Saturn. Barton was at the show, but he did not appear on camera. There you go, Gary. You should be fully anti-Jeff. He, he got rid of your yeah, guy. Yeah, Mike Barton. I want more Mike Barton shoot fights. No, nope, you don't get him anymore. The only one ruled. We, we could have got the Perry Saturn rematch. Yeah, should have done like four of them. Should have done a Perry Saturn Mike Barton fight pit. Oh, shit. Uh, Sabu was scheduled to appear on this show in some capacity, but they told the office that his flight was delayed and then he couldn't get there. His wife was there, but Sabu wasn't. Huh. It was not the first show he missed. I think he missed the show the next month or the next week as well. Um, I think that might be the last we see of Sabu for a while. 
eh, it's TNA, he'll probably just show up randomly. Like, Sean Waltman quit TNA in the most contentious of circumstances and was meant to show up again this month and then no-showed again. Well, I know he comes back because he has the Monsters Bowl match that rules, so eventually he'll be back. I think he's back next month. Oh, nice. The crowd on uh, the May 15th show was said to be around 800, the lowest in months, and paid was said to be non-existent. Sick. The past two weeks, there has been nothing even announced for the next week's show, either on the pay-per-view or the local Saturday TV show, which is explosion, because nothing had been planned a week out. As things were done this week and last, after the show on Wednesday night, Russo and Gilberti primarily would spend the next day writing the show, then send it to Jarrett, and Jarrett would wait until the following week to make changes, which apparently pissed off Vince Russo. <laughs> Good. So they submit the show on Thursday, and Jarrett wouldn't offer feedback until Tuesday, so they couldn't get mad that Jarrett was changing all their ideas. Well, they can get mad, but they couldn't stop it. Mm. And the, again, we've had this story like a million times, but... A lot of talk regarding Jarrett and Raven. The big story after the show almost every week is Raven and Russo on one side and Jarrett on the other, trying to convince Dixie Carter, the daughter of the owner, that their ideas are better and trying to rally as many people behind their respective sides and talking to her. Hmm. So they're constantly arguing, they're constantly bickering, there's constant attempts at betrayal, there's constant backstabbing, they're constantly politically moving, maneuvering themselves into positions where they can have maximum power. I mean, this is what you get, Jeff. <laughs> Why are you enabling this? Yeah, this is what you get. If your dad was the only guy here, wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. You'd have your own set of problems, but it probably wouldn't be with knives in each other's backs. Your life would probably go much smoother were it not for your insistence on hiring this man who constantly tries to betray you. (laughs) You know what? I really hope it comes out that Vince Russo is in fact booking NXT 2.0. It seems like it is, right? Because I would find it insanely funny that Vince Russo politicked Triple H out of NXT. (laughs) Based on what we've read here in 2002-2003 TNA, it's not beyond the realms of possible. And it makes the the obvious thing that's definitely happening, the Jeff Jarrett Triple H super promotion, that more sweet. Because it's, it'll be an anti-Vince Russo promotion. <laughs> the enemies of Vince Russo have come together to form their own wonder promotion. Yeah. NX Global Force. Global T next force ed ferrara was backstage at the show he was telling everybody goodbye as he was moving from nashville to chicago he had moved his family to nashville at the start of the company but then he quit then he tried to get his job back they said no so he's moving back to chicago good then he'll go to fucking florida and teach the next generation of nxt right oh yeah that oh it's ed ferrara we got it all wrong it's not russo it's ed Oh, no. Very cool spot that I will always pop for every time somebody does it in the Saban Red and Lid match on this show, where Red does a springboard and Saban catches him mm. in a suplex. Every single time, I'll be like, oh, yes, yes. Don made a really good point in one of these matches where he said that Saban looks like the prototypical pro wrestler, and it's like, yeah. Not Randy Orton, as WWE always tried to tell us. Chris Saban. Yeah. Because, well, like, let's be real, the idealized version of a pro wrestler should have long hair. Mm. And do flips. First and foremost. Yeah. It's ideal. The Jared interview on the show, the one where he compared Disco Dawson and Undertaker, <laughs> he was like so soft spoken and they had like this inspirational music running under it. No wonder people fucking hate him. <laughs> I'm talking in this Jeff Jarrett voice. I'm not doing my full voice. I'm doing this like softer voice that makes me yeah. feel like hey, hey guys. more yeah. relatable and Let's nice. So we talk about that, yeah. Yeah, The Undertaker, you know? <laughs> While they're like, da, 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 music played underneath it. It's the fucking. The, it's not the ashes the nfl called. music yeah <laughs> i was thinking of the what's the cricket one i don't know it's a big cricket one that it's very similar as well so yeah jeff jarrett nice guy everybody loves him 
<laughs> Except the fans. And the locker room. And everyone backstage. And his friend Vince Russo. <laughs> and his dad. I did enjoy uh, the Triple X against Styles and D-Lo match in the main event. You got a, a tasty bit of AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in that match. Yeah. yeah. Just a, there's so many like little bits and pieces of these Ring of Honor guys interacting. You're like, oh, I know what you can do. And you know what they're going to do in TNA. Never mind your Ring of Honor. Get your Ring of Honor out of here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I keep, I keep like thinking, <laughs> just like, oh, imagine if they had like... 30-minute main events or something. No, 30-minute main events are bad, as illustrated by the best match on these shows being six minutes long. Mm, yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, you get a, there's a little bit, a little, little taste of Styles and Daniels in the ring together. Like, I, know, I know what you guys are capable of. You know what you're going to do. Uh, NWATA, paper number 46, May 21st, 2003, from the Asylum, 11.50, again, heavily papered. They had this Star Wars intro. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Where it's like, they introduce us to the four stables that are feuding, and then the, the Star Wars text crawl goes across the screen. It's like, the National Wrestling Alliance has sanctioned a TNA for a, nearly a year now, but TNA has descended into gang warfare. I had never seen gang for warfare used in a wrestling context beyond, like, the WF before. Yeah, they actually used the words gang warfare. You know, one of those notoriously loved things that WF has done. They definitely need to be brought back here in the NWA TNA. And again, I just feel like, you know, the new church is so outnumbered here. That's the reason they just disappear and give up. James Mitchell's like, ah, oh, I'm not I'm not fighting this. I'm not showing up this month. Yeah, I'm really, like, wondering what happened there. Yeah, they go through the history of all of these stables and their feuding as Mike Denae narrates this Star Wars intro- introduction. <sighs> Every show has to have a five-minute video intro. Uh, uh, here's a quick some notes from this one that I had. Theme updates, because I know everyone desperately cares. Paul London using the Kid Cash theme that I love so much, which suits him because he is a weird cat. And Kid Romeo using the Tony Marmaluke slash Main Event Mafia theme. Knock Off Godfather song. Yes. It perked my ears up and I was like, oh, Tony Marmaluke's back. You got Kid Romeo returning. An even bigger return. Paul London hitting just a beautiful shooting star. Oh, yeah. And they replayed it as well. I'm like, oh, that's what a shooting star should look like. Yeah. I've always loved the shooting stars where they like, tap the side of their knees as they mm. go it's like oh like if you can't do the Evan Bourne where you literally turn yourself into a star while you do it this is the way you gotta yeah. do it that big tap of the knees while you go yeah, over it's very nice it's very very nice uh, somebody got, has got to teach Jeremy Borash what the words raiding and defending mean <laughs> yeah oh thank you I thought the exact same thing <laughs> It was in the six man and I was like he's not defending yeah, it, was not, it wasn't even a six man it was a three on two handicap match <laughs> Yeah, I was like, he's not defending... And I was waiting for Mike Tanay to fucking get mad at him again, but... No, he did. He was like, very clearly, he didn't, like, say, shut up, JB, but he's like, the belts are not on the line in this three-on-two handicap match. It didn't happen right after he said it like it did last time, so I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I made no, because Mike Tanay was like, no, ra- that's not raiding and defending. There is no defending going on. I hope, like, JB just never fixes it. And just does it for Keep saying rating and defending. Like, Amazing Red, so good in this match, by the way. So good. Liam has replaced the word weird with bad in their show notes, which you'll never see unless you go... Well, actually, you, know, you will never see because the show notes will only go up with the version of bad. But when you read Goldilocks does a bad <laughs> Jackass Punk Mad TV segment, know that that originally said weird, but Liam changed it. And you can see bad if you go to teenagehat.com and read our show notes with your $1 Patreon <laughs> subscription. Cool. Yes, Amazing Red, great, great. The crowd live and die by him in these heat segments. He's good, good wrestler. During the Eric Watts promo on this on the show, the crowd very loudly chanting Watts. I don't understand it because these people have taste, much like myself. Oh, I do. Nah. He's so great. You can't like. I'm not. It's not even a bit. <laughs> like 
He's legitimately, the last two months has been great. He's like, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> because it's not some Glenn Gilberti boring shit. It's not some fucking lame-ass backstage thing. It's just Eric Watts being a complete weirdo, and I know it's going to make me smile. <laughs> oh, Eric Watts. <laughs> just admit you like it. And NWTNA baby number 47, last show of the month. I actually don't think I have any notes that we haven't already discussed. Hmm, Road Dog's back, unfortunately. There's an interesting note from PW Torch. Feeling among fans is that when the local newspaper article called Jarrett the minority owner, people saw him surviving everything and winning in a very different light. (laughs) People didn't know? (laughs) Maybe, like, they were willing to suspend their disbelief a little until they read, like, in the paper. It's like, wait a minute, he owns it? He's do and like yeah. th- there was no result as egregious as the Raven one. To be fair, like the the Raven one, which he probably should have lost to Raven, and people were really mad that he didn't. That one didn't annoy me that much. I'm sure there will be more matches where I'm like, why the fuck didn't Jeff Jarrett lose? As we go further on in TNA's history, but that one didn't really anger me. And that's May, Liam. Yeah. What might be our longest episode yet? We'll see in editing. Oh, I have one more point of news that I wanted to bring in, and it suits the fact that we may hit three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Garrett, I have a, I have a, a big question Shoot. for you. How do you feel about legendary TNA professional wrestling couple Velvet Sky and Bully Ray breaking up? Well, I was always upset, of course, that the Chris Saban and Velvet Sky couple that broke she, up. That he stole from Chris Saban? So it, it was never a couple I supported. So naturally, I'm very pleased that they've broken up. I didn't even know they'd broken up. Yes, this uh, this has come out today. Uh, would you like me to read the tweet that Velvet Sky? Sure. Made? I have to search Velvet Sky as I do not follow. She her. blocked me on Twitter at Velvelholler. So this tweet came out November twelfth. Oh, so this happened over a week ago? No, no, no. I well, she was definitely down in the dumps mm. <laughs> over a week ago. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> Sorry, as I was scrolling, I was like, oh, Velvet Sky retweeting wrestling porn accounts. Find you someone who gives you both best friend and wifey vibes. That shit's so rare. So if you find it, keep it. November 12th. She's clearly upset that she left Save and Go. Chris Saban got married recently too, so maybe she saw it. It's like, no! <laughs> Congratulations to Chris yeah. Saban. Uh, 18 hours ago, at Bully Ray 5150 <laughs> And I have decided to part ways amicably. There's no animosity... And we'll, we will always be cool, and we wish each other well in life. This will be the only public comment we make on the matter. Well, they're moving on. <laughs> so, everyone in the response is just people hitting her up. Listen, if we ever break up as podcast co-hosts, I'm going to send that exact same tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll do a bunch of shoot interviews. Yeah, just shooting on each other. But that is TNA Wrestling from the month of May 2003. I'm sure we'll cover the Bully Ray breakup again when we get to it in 2021. When he steals Velvet Sky from Chris Saban. Oh, uh, but that is May 2003. As mentioned, in two weeks we will be off because Liam will be performing on stage like the true actor that he is. Wow. I was going to say I was really hoping to drag this out so that I could say we hit 700 followers as we were recording. But we were three off in the yeah, end. Yeah, well, maybe by the time it goes up, it'll be 700 and that'll be fine. I, sh- I assume it will, consider me gaining one like every 15 minutes. Uh, that D'Lo Brown, AJ Styles, InSync Frog Splash, good for our brand. <laughs> People really like to see wrestling moves being done at the same time. 
But yes, two weeks, we will not have an episode. It shouldn't affect the Patreon content, other than the fact we won't have a watch-along either, of course. But the Rinka King stuff should continue as normal. As, as mentioned, we'll have something in the podcast feed. At the very least, we'll give you the first episode of Monday War Games and maybe something else if I can coordinate that and actually do it and not be lazy. So, what is it? Well, I don't want to say what it is unless... <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you after we finish recording. What if I disagree with it and think it's a terrible branding choice? Well, you're the one performing on stage. You will never listen to it. <laughs> Damn. What if I record my performance? Oh yeah, put it on the Patreon. At the $30 a month. To see Liam's acting. Yeah. Unless you like are in a studio or something, then you can watch it for free. So we will be back in a month with the June 2003 episode, the TNA one year anniversary episode as well, so that should be a fun one. Oh, it's the one year anniversary of our podcast. Well, it's the six month anniversary of our podcast, but sure. Well, it's the one year anniversary. <laughs> so you can look forward to that in the middle of december uh, go to our patreon where you can see the watch along of nwa pay view number 44 you can check out our show notes you can check out our uh, spreadsheet and star ratings rinka king series is going strong pokemon battles <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> which we will definitely do in the month of december also our full gear review is up there as well so all that fun stuff is there for you to enjoy Follow us on Twitter, at TNA History Pod, as they mentioned, nearly 700 followers, which is pretty cool. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, by the way. Isn't that crazy? We're big blown up. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well, by the way. We started the YouTube channel in the time between the two episodes, where every day there's there's <laughs> yes, clips. we. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> Everything is a joint effort, Liam. It's always us, no matter whether it's me or you that does it. Yep. I'm banned from participating on it. I accidentally set it up under my personal YouTube, so yes, you are. <laughs> Even though I would like to. I have to go through manually to check for comments. It's disgusting. There's only been one, so... <laughs> I know, and I found it. <laughs> manually. But if you would like to subscribe, search You've Got to Keep Getting Me on YouTube, where there will be daily clips of the show. Yes, follow us on Twitter at TN History Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Gary Kidney. Follow Leo on Twitter at TheGleetMuta. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a month. Or never. <gasps> or sooner on Patreon. <gasps> TNHAD.com.